The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have y'all with us this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio Garden in Memphis. <laughs> and you're freezing. <laughs> I'm Kenneth with Damas Garden Centers. Hey, and I'm uh, the other guy, Jim Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> he has so many titles that a lot of times he forgets which title to use. Yeah, somebody was naming some things that they call me because, you know, I could answer all their questions. And I said, well, you know, those are some of the nicest things anybody's ever said. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, maybe we can say that more spring is on the way. I mean, we've had spring. This is spring weather. Well, yeah, except, you know, that, that frost was harder than I expected. Yeah. You know, I brought in all the, the, the succulents, moved them back in the garage, but I left out the orange tree and mm-hmm. and the oleander and some of those, and it burned tips on the orange tree. I had it shoved up right against the house. Yeah, so. yeah they let you know it, too. Yeah, you know, but I there's a, no eve over it right there, but yeah. it's... You know, it uh, it got really cold. There was ice on the window. Yeah, we're talking about huh. yesterday I morning yesterday when I morning. got up and scraped uh, yeah frost mm-hmm. off the windshield. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it never fails. And, you know, we always say, of course, you know, the frost dates April 15th. And, you know, some years, you know, we don't quite make it to the 15th. You know, but last year, I remember to think on the 16th we had a frost. So, you know, I, I mean, it can happen. We went on the 24th also. Yeah, but, but then again, some years on the, you know, on the 9th. You know, yeah. you don't have any more after that. So it, it varies every year. But, you know, it's, um, if you look at the 10-day forecast, it looks pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. So, Jim, we might be on our way, you know, to. We hope so. Yeah. Because we still have a couple of weeks till the 15th. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what to do? I, I think I, I did leave the orange trees out. So I didn't notice anything on them yesterday, but I didn't go in that well, area. Well, mine, mine had really f- Young. Six or eight inches of new growth oh, on it, you okay. know, from being in the garage, and uh, and it's. I think it's gonna. I'm gonna end up having to trim that off. But yeah, but that's there, not gonna the, be a bad thing. No, is it? the rest of it looks good. You yeah, know, I so. could take a little burn mm-hmm. uh, on some foliage. You know, what I don't want is a you know an 18 degree night. You know, oh, and we're yeah. not gonna have that. Of course, you know, I say we're not. I mean, yeah. we. It doesn't look like we're gonna have one of these mm-hmm. last, really last ditch, really cold spells out there. So. You yeah, know, you just I'm push kinda, it. You keep telling it that. I, I'd like for you to put that in writing. Yeah. I'm not to do it. <laughs> and then, you know, the Wait, dilemma. Let me get you just, pen. I know. <laughs> he's going to just put it on the phone. I mean, not, if it's on the phone. And then if Record I put it, it on yeah. social media, yeah. then you're done. Well, that's right. <laughs> Kenneth said on the we radio. We have it on tape, don't yeah. we? <laughs> Claire's over there shaking her head. Yeah, yep. I got it. <laughs> but, you know, the, the dilemma, me and Gina, Gina and I were backing down the driveway late yesterday afternoon after work. Uh, we had to go run an errand. And the pansies in the front of the house look better right now than they have since the day mm-hmm. that I put them in. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yeah, their pretty and, little and faces I, are just up shining in the oh, sun. I mean, they're in, they're in full bloom. They look great, by yeah. the way. Yeah. You're going to have 30 days of absolutely gorgeous pansies, mm-hmm. and then you got to take them out to put in the other stuff. I right. am, but that's the that's the dilemma. How long, you know, can, I think this might be one of those years where I just wait for the last minute. And that could, mm-hmm. that sound, seems like it's going to be May. You know, to put mm-hmm. in the, the spring yeah. plants, but, you know, it never fails. You get those mm-hmm. things in in the fall. I mean, they look okay. They're still kind of small, and they're trying to grow a little bit. And then you get winter, you know, yeah. and they're just sitting there. And now they're just blowing open, y'all. I'm telling you, they look great. 
and I was, you know, asking Gina, I said, oh, you know, let's try to hold off on putting in this spring color this year only because it's, it's across the whole front of the house. Okay. So I don't know, y'all. We'll ha- I'm going to be in one of those same dilemmas that a lot of people are that I'm going to have, I think I'm going to try to wait for the last minute. And then, of course, I won't be able to find what I'm looking Gina, for. this is just another attempt of his to get out of planting stuff. <laughs> so, you know, don't buy it. <laughs> so, but I mean, Jim, I was, we were talking about that last night, uh, backing down the driveway. So, but having said all that, I mean, you know, we've got, you know, a garden center full of beautiful blooming plants. I'm telling you, annuals and perennials. I mean, so, it's one of those, this, and Vader, you've been doing the same thing this whole week, you know, is we put everything out and then we rack everything up and bring it inside at night, put it back out the mm-hmm. next day, rack it up that afternoon, same. bring it inside. Yep. Just because, of course, this time of year, the weather is so up and down. Now, it's not going to kill the plants if we leave them out at well, all. Uh, I don't well, know maybe if it was so. coleus, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, and I mean, basil. And, and potato vine and that yeah. stuff, maybe, but I'm saying, but you don't even want it you know, you, no, you don't want it burned well, at all. Yeah, because then it makes it not retail friendly. Right. Because mm-hmm. our ferns, I, I kept covering those, but they had only been from Florida like a week. So I knew that they weren't expecting <laughs> a 37 degree night. Plus we had 41s and all. So I just kept covering the ferns. But one night uh, they didn't get them covered totally and so some of the fronds that were hanging out did you burn see, yeah yeah it did so burn you gotta go in there and clean that up right you know? and so i thought or you know in the garden industry we'd rather cover because then when people come in they don't want to buy something that's got a little winter burn on it i don't blame them because no, no, yeah. then they think something's wrong with it yeah. but you know this is it's really trying this time of year because you're ordering so much stuff at one time trying to get everything in and get ready mm-hmm. you know uh, and people are chomping at the yeah. bit. I'm telling you, even yesterday when the weather was mild, I mean, you could just see it. People were out there skipping around, mm-hmm. singing to themselves, smiles on their faces. I mean, they re- truly can't wait. Uh, you know, and a lot of people were even buying this stuff. And, you know, I'll tell them, hey, just watch mm-hmm. the weather. You know, you know, we never know what's going to happen this time of year. And they're like, I don't care. I'll just save it and put it in my garage. You yeah. know, they just want it there at their mm-hmm. house, you know. So I think it's going to be a crazy spring. I, you know, some years, even last year, if y'all remember, um, year before last, it was really cold and wet all the way till March, or till April, actually. Last year, March was actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm, it was. And people were so thankful for that. They truly were, because they get to get out there and get stuff done, get stuff planted, you know, before normal. Well, this year, we're just having what they call a normal early mm-hmm. spring. I mean, it really is. It's nothing abnormal about yeah. this, but I'm ready for some warm weather. Yeah, and stay it's warm. abnormal to be wonderfully wonderful weather in March you know in the industry again they've said or the thing was is March can make you or break you yeah you know mm-hmm. if if you have a great March with the weather then everybody starts earlier but they don't stop earlier right <laughs> you know I've always called this the, every spring in the lawn and garden business the hundred days of hell <laughs> you know which you, and then that's if you get that hundred days you're gonna make it Okay, mm-hmm. it's when you start getting rain every weekend, yes. you know, or it's cold till April fifteenth, and then June one, it's a hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. You gotta have about a hundred days of good business for independent garden centers to to survive. You know, um, most of them don't have sinks and 
high, <laughs> you know, high margin paint and hardware that you can make a living off of during the rest of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just plants and plants. Yeah, please, please support your independent garden centers. You know, they're there year round. They have the same people be able to answer the questions for you. And it's not somebody fresh out of the plumbing department. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Well, well, some of the things we can talk about this morning, guys, amongst other things, and I got to mention this, is, you know, the Crate Mortar Bart scale at some point because it's still out there. It's still a problem. And a, lot still don't, a lot of people still don't realize <laughs> even what it is. Of course, the old Vols, we'll talk about some slugs. Uh, you need, we also need to talk. I saw some bacterial canker yesterday. We'll get into Did that it? at some point um, this morning. And then <laughs> one of the topics that just runs people crazy because they're not quite sure what they are are the carpenter bees. They think these bumblebees are attacking them, okay? Well, that's not the case. So we'll get into carpenter bees sometimes, you know, this morning. Yep, they have got a lot of talk about that. They're definitely out and about. Also, I heard that uh, there's been some cases of Japanese uh, bark scale jumping to boxwood. Yeah, I heard that too. Mm, mm. That's not good. I know, and I didn't actually know there was a Japanese scale. So I'm thinking now what? I, I saw it. Uh, Richard, uh, the sales rep with Bracey's, sent me a picture five or six years ago of a Japanese maple that looked like a crepe myrtle just covered in bark scale. And he said, have you Great. heard anything yeah. about crepe myrtle bark scale jumping to maples? And I said, no, I hadn't, but let me do some research. So I called Leslie Hollinsworth, our you are uh, ag inspector and she said it's japanese uh, maple bark scale it's been found in a couple of nurseries over in uh, mcminnville but this one was on a single tree in little rock hmm. uh so somehow a tree got over there that w- and i mean you could hardly see bark on it it was Yuck. so covered in scale and do you treat it the same way as you, you treat it the same way mm-hmm. it's uh, easy to treat now, is with. it the same scale no though? it is not yeah. it is a separate thing but you know our love of japanese maples mm-hmm. is is just a little under our love of crepe myrtles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think, you know, we're going to have to be on the watch for that. Yeah, I think we would be even more in love with the Japanese maple if it could tolerate lots of sun. Oh, yeah. you like, well, I think it might beat over the crepe myrtle then. I mm-hmm. had that conversation quite a few times this week mm-hmm. with people like, well, can I just plant it there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can plant <laughs> you it can, there. And it'll survive. And it, be, but you're going to get a burn on that foliage, you know, yep. every summer. Yeah, it's do you just want it happen. to live or do you want it to survive? Because there is a difference. <laughs> Well, she wanted, I'm telling you, and she she's going to plant a Japanese maple. She wants a small little ornamental tree in this bed. Well, you know, obviously you get your best color right out there. You know, if it's a, a burgundy one, it'll look wonderful in the spring. Now, the one that she wants to put out there is a coral bark, and it's... Uh, oh, that'll it, be... But it's still going to burn. It's going to burn yeah. in the summer, but it, that, yeah. It, it tolerates. Right. And, and yeah. we talked about that, and she's like, okay, well, I can live with that, you know, because yeah. she wants that tree. And then I said, you know, instead of a, you know, a, a maple, because you're getting so much sun... You know, you might think about a tree-formed hydrangea or something like that. Oh, and she's yes. like... Yes, that know, would that, be beautiful. But she was like, uh-uh, I want the baby. She just wants... I understand that, too. But we're going to go to a break. We'd love you to give us a call. That's 260-5926. And you're listening to KWAM Radio. We'll be right back. YMCA. No. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. 
And I'm one of your hosts, Veda Vance, from Palladio Garden in Memphis. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Danwis Garden Centers. And to my left, I've got... I'm still the other guy. You're still the <laughs> other guy with the administrator of the Facebook page, yes, Mid-South Gardening. And we've gotten a lot of activity this past week. People are getting... We had uh, a really good foliage Friday yesterday. People showing their mm-hmm. the leaves and flowers. Uh, flowers aren't forbidden, but, uh, <laughs> you know, because they are just modified leaves anyway. You're right. So, um, it's, uh, but it's, it's really kicking off now. And people are excited, like and I said. So many, and what's really amazing is there's so much difference because I have a, a golden um, dicentra of Bleeding Heart mm-hmm. that's up uh, 18, 20 inches tall, full bloom. You know, and other people are saying, mine haven't even broke ground yet. Yeah. You know, so it's all in where that little ecosystem mm-hmm. is there on how quickly these ephemerals come up. Hey, um, so like on the bleeding heart, does it go dormant in the summer for you, or does it just kind of hang out? This one, because it gets shaded most of the summer, and mm-hmm. it's in sun right now, but it gets shaded most of the summer, it will stay up all through the summer. Now, I've got another one in the front yard mm-hmm. that will burn down every year and come sprouts up a little bit in the fall, but it's yeah. not spectacular like it is in spring. Oh, so you have to mark that one. Well, you probably know where everything is in your yard. I, you know, can't identify most of them anymore. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes, it what can. What is this? Well, that's a daylily. Well, yeah. which, which one? one? <laughs> it's the one that's right there. Yeah. <laughs> even when it blooms, I'm not going to know. Yeah. Well, a lot of them I can identify from the blooms. I got, you know, I, I still am pretty good at that. In fact, somebody went to Dixon yesterday and put a whole bunch of pictures. Of, you know, they planted a quarter million tulips. I talked to Dale this I past too. week. I got to say, I gotta say and, something uh, about it. And uh, he... Uh, uh, in fact, he invited me to lunch. How about that? He did me also. Thank well, you. you. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, she posted a whole bunch of pictures on there, but she posted one azalea, and I was so happy because I knew what it was. Yeah, thank goodness, right? <laughs> look at it, and we'll test you two and see. One br- azalea. She I'll posted bring it up. Yeah, what here what color you, was it, Jim? Uh, it's purple. Pink. I'm going to show oh, you a picture of it. I knew it was going to be purple. No, it's going to be one of those that hadn't been around one. since the 30s. You can already count me out. I'm sure I'm not going to know this variety. Well, we'll see. But Dale Skaggs, the uh, Director of Horticulture at the Dixon Gathering Gardens, which I didn't know this, and Jim, you probably know it, and Betty, you probably knew it, but he told me uh, that there is actually free admission through 2024 at the Dixon Gathering Gardens. Free admission. Yep. I mean, if anybody wants to go and see art art or a quarter million tulips blooming right now. Uh, go to the Dixon. This would be a perfect day to, to do that. Yeah, after the uh, the COVID, they had an anonymous donor who said, I want to cover the gate admissions for the Dixon so that anybody can come see uh, art or come visit the garden yes. and just, uh, you know, get a chance to commune with your inner or self and whatever <laughs> but so, i mean but if you're ever going to do it right you know, now he worked for me years ago yeah right now would yeah, <laughs> yes i do would be the time to do it with their the bulbs in full bloom i mean and they like i said they plant you know two hundred and fifty thousand tulips um so that's amazing and, and it's free admission i didn't i had no idea until he said something to me the other day so that is a definitely a win-win oh yeah they did post on um the facebook page somebody had went and because I was going to ask, now I wonder how many. It? Yeah, from, from, okay. no, these are the that's tulips. My, yeah, that's all right. Look for there's one to say in there. It's only, it's not far down. I didn't think, but look at that one and then show it to Kenneth. Well, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, they look at tulips as just a short-lived blooming plant. So a lot of people and you know don't. What? 
There, and they are. There they are because it's all, every one of those 250,000 tulips mm-hmm. are going to be compost in a couple of weeks. Yes, they mm-hmm. will. They'll just rip them right yeah. out. But again. my point is, is if you take a look at the, the blooming tulips, and it doesn't even have to be on that scale, it will flat out make you want to plant some next fall. The pictures are incredible. Just Aren't how they many? Yeah. So, yes, I, that will That's make That's my buddy Brittany, and she does, she does some beautiful photos. And she, and she grows some of the coolest stuff. She does. So, she yeah. does. She's got real nice stuff. Well, you know, so now everybody's going to want to plant tulips, but they're going to come looking for tulips right nope, now. No, plant them in the fall. But this is the fall thing. And when they're blooming, people are just wanting to come in and buy them and go ahead and plant them in their yard. Yeah, but but the, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not going to do that well here. So those are the ones you plant in the fall that bloom in the spring. And now you can plant spring bulbs now that bloom in the summer. And those are like, you know, the cannas and the gladiolus and those kind of things, elephant ears, caladiums. Mm-hmm. Um, and those you plant, of course, just now getting ready to plant now. But I tell you, it's a it's a neat deal for it to be free admission through 2024 at the Dixon Gallery and Gardens, and it's open to everyone. So oh, keep that in mind. this is a pretty azalea. There it is. Yeah, yep. there it is. Y'all can find it if you go to Mid South Gardening the Facebook page. You'll be able to see it. It's at the. Uh, Let's, some of the see. Few Let's see how well Kenneth does. At the top. Uh, I got to think about it for a second. I'm gonna give you an answer here in a well, minute. Well, first I thought it was okay. a deciduous one, but I do see the foliage, and yeah, it's not no, from it's a not, deciduous. It's not deciduous. Uh, it's a very light um, color with a little the pinkish around pink the tip. edge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll figure this out in a second. You know, I know what it is. Not it's just right there on the, the tip of my tongue, right? But that's, not <laughs> the answer. that's how I'm going to go with this. I know what it is, but I can't think of the name. Not. Yeah. Well, so, you, so you don't think Kenneth and I is even going to get close to it? It, it would surprise me if you do, because like Kenneth said, it is an older variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen yeah. it on the market in the last 10 years or so, but it's. Uh, it's it's it, it, I'll I'll tell you this much it is a, a karoom, mm-hmm. uh, an early blooming and it tends to hold its flowers when they've stopped blooming mm-hmm. turns a little dry kind of so like the old snow the white snow does yeah and coral bell and some yeah. of those so it's not the most popular because it hangs on to that dead bloom right. yeah so you've seen it before I've grown this one in you've fact grown it this is. One. Probably my second or third favorite. Oh, so this one is it's an, an older one. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, a, you know, if it's treated correctly, it'll be a, there'll be so many flowers on it, you cannot see leaves. Oh, so mm. you bought that in what, 1896? No, I grew some back in the <laughs> mid 70s, and that's the 1970s. <laughs> Let's get that clear. <laughs> I know, I'm like, you're going with uh, this, you know, people, Jim. Uh, Maybe you are. Some older people have than no sense of tune. You, Humor either because every time I go to the pharmacy, you know, and they say, "What's your date of birth?" and I go, "Da da 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 AD." Yeah, and they, and they don't even know what that means. <laughs> then you, caught, you caught them off guard. But that's a so, long time ago, is what that well, is. Well, then they start questioning you because they want to make sure the medicine you're getting is not making you yes <laughs> lost in what century you're in. No, right, I got to beat this dead horse. I'm telling you, and I know we've done it no. a thousand times, but crate murder bark scale. For people out there that just don't realize it yet, there is a scale that's attacking our crepe myrtles, and it's called crepe myrtle bark scale. Appropriate name. Yeah, and one of the symptoms is the black sooty mold um, that you see uh, on the trunks uh, of the crepe myrtle. And then later on, if you do nothing about it, everything under the crepe myrtle starts to turn black with sooty mold. Because this scale, when it's young, it climbs up there, it attaches itself to the trunk of the tree, it starts sucking the fluid 
fluid, the, uh, the fluid out of the crepe myrtle, and it emits this real sticky secretion called honeydew. Well, I can just see that scale climbing. Yeah, he's climbing up there, and he yeah, just, just attaches himself. Hand over foot. Okay, yeah. hand now for, over. Just to clarify things, you can't see the little scale crawler in it. It's so small. Yeah, And you is. can't see its legs either. But as it's, <laughs> like I said, as it's sucking the fluid out of the crepe myrtle, it's emitting that real sticky secretion. And that's what that black sooty mold grows on. So you walk out there one day and all the trunks of your crepe myrtles have turned black. Well, people think that's the problem. No, the sooty mold is after the fact. It's only there because of the insects, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to get rid of the, of the core problem, which is the scaled insect. And, and the it, more core <clears throat> problem is yeah. we have so many crepe myrtles yes. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which then, you know, when you have a lot of one type of plant, then it's easier for something to attack it and then start taking no all doubt. of them down. No doubt. So, you know, maybe because we plant them too close to the house. <laughs> well, there's so <laughs> many. crepe myrtle bark scale because they're tired of being planted close to the house. No, it's an Asian <laughs> scale that, you know, that got over here and it loves our crepe myrtles. But if you do have the symptoms of crepe myrtle bark scale, get the product tree and shrub insect drench. All you do is mix it with water and pour it right around the base of the crepe myrtle. Now, this is the same thing as what you'll find in, in some of the box stores. It's called bear tree and shrub. But you can only get it in quartz, okay? Yeah. If you go to your independent garden centers, they'll have the same chemical made by the same company, bear, mm-hmm. but it's under the Fertilome label, and you can buy it in up to two-and-a-half-gallon jugs and save you a small fortune. Yeah, you can buy mm-hmm. the gallon or the two-and-a-half-gallon. I or like the, the Monterey. Yeah, 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 right. But it, they're all the same product, but the beauty of that product is you just mix and pour, and you only have to do it one time per growing all season. All right, we're going to mix and pour right out of this and go to a break, and we'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926. If you're having trouble picking us up, you can stream us on uh, kwamradio.com. Mm-hmm. You can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, and there's Miss Veda right there in living color. You can okay. shoot us a text if you want. We'll answer questions that way, or like Veda said, 260-5926. Yeah. Or you can go to the Facebook page that Jim does, which is Mid-South Gardening. Great. Uh, because we've been talking about some of the pictures that are on the Facebook page. So if you want to join that, check and like, it out. And like Jim was saying, yesterday was uh, Foliage Friday. And uh, you're seeing a huge, you know, influx of pictures. Right. Because, you know, spring is just, well, spring is here, actually, if you ask me. But it's just right around the corner. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Somewhere around New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. I'm peeking out the door looking around the corner. Well, it's going to feel springy today. And, uh, man, next week it's going to be a little over in the 70s, which isn't so bad except for here. The sun just roasts you, so if it's 70, it's 80 Yeah. in the sun, of course. But um, the weather is slowly picking up, and I am glad that we still have spring left. Oh, yeah. You know, and looking forward to getting all the beautiful plants in the ground. Like, uh, except for in your case, 
that if you've got pansies, like it, right in our front door going into the building, the pansies are looking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to pull those out and put petunias I in I mean, there? eventually you're going to have to, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, and it's kind of like the same dilemma that people have in the fall. You know, how long do you wait to pull your spring and summer plants up to put pansies in? Right, that's and true. now how long do we wait to pull the pansies up to put the spring stuff in? So, Man, there's got to be a way around this. Yeah, no, there's not. <laughs> there's not. There's. I could just, plant the pansies, uh, the petunias intermingled with the pansies, but then when the pansies die, your petunias are in weird spots. <laughs> yeah, and the pansies, you know, they'll stick around till it gets hot. I mean, but you don't want to really wait that long before you go back and put your spring color in. So, so says the nursery. Man. Yeah, so I'll give it. I'll give it a little while longer because, like I said, the pansies are in just full bloom right now. They look their absolute best. So, well, I can get a fix by doing containers and hanging baskets. And trough gardens that you hang on the wall. That's right. So I can get away with, you know, it's a good time anyway to start doing all the containers mm-hmm. because everything's not in that is going to be available as we get warmer. Right. But, uh, you know, you kind of leave that spot for your yard or the um, things waiting to come in for your yard. But, you know, we used to wait until like May or June to get hibiscus in because right. everybody oh, would be thinking tropical. But now people want the hibiscus right now. They do. You're right. Tropicals in general. Yeah. So and the hibiscus are amazing as years went on. First, it was just the yellow and the pink mm-hmm. and the orange and the red. And that was your big selection. Now they're coming in different colors that are all on one bloom, kind of roughly. I don't know how these colors are like this. They're just amazing. Some have the blue in it, the gray in it, the uh, and, and your And your hibiscus always is not just your single big old bloom either. You know, there are double blooms out there, uh, multicolored blooms. I mean, they've done a whole lot with uh, tropical hibiscus. But I'm like, I love tropicals, whether it's the vines, the alamandas, mm-hmm. the mandevillas, the, uh, you know, the hibiscus. Uh, and the beauty of a tropical, as we all know, is they bloom basically every day for you. I mean, really, they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you they, you can't beat the blooming power of a tropical. Right. Now, the drawback is, you know, if you don't take it inside in the wintertime, you know, you just have to replant it every year. But that's so not, what? Yeah, that's right. really not a drawback. Mm-hmm. And the hummingbirds love them as well. Also, and this is one of Jim's fortes, one of the things that are becoming a lot more popular too are the palms. Mm -hmm. Just for their, you know, a lot of them are not going to make it through the winter and a lot of them you can get away from with putting them inside and they don't have a lot of stress. But a lot of people just want to buy the palm to put out. And some of them you can even leave outside. I've got uh, two date palms, uh, date palms, sorry, (laughs) needle palms. That are they've been in the ground now for ten years, mm. um, you know, and they're just about the fronds are up to about my shoulders. Really? Mm. Yeah, they're they're slow growing, kind of mounding type, but they'll they have uh, survived as low as minus twenty degrees. So it's the cold hardiest of all the palms. Now you, you go out there and you'll feed them with some palm tone, maybe once a year. But do you have to go out there and, and clean them up? I mean, cut any I have to, dead yeah. fronds off of their gym every yeah, every spring. I cut two or three off of each one. Uh, uh, in fact, last weekend, and that that was all. The rest of them, the fronds will stay mm-hmm. green for no, several years usually. Um, I have a windmill palm in the front yard that mm-hmm. uh, the mother plant got killed when we went to zero a few years mm-hmm. back, but I got pups coming up mm-hmm. all around it. And I planted one of the uh, Butia capitata. It's, um, 
Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's the one you see on the coast that's blue and has yes, these I arching. Yes, I do too. Yes. And it's technically Zone 7 hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I planted one last year, uh, and it got the fronds got burned on it. I'm not yet sure whether or not it's dead because there's still some green. Okay. Uh, so I'm hoping it's it survived. Oh, my goodness. That is my most yeah. favorite. I've seen one survive here. I haven't seen... Um, it if after the zero weather, but it was in a very microclimate yes. against two white walls. It was tucked in the corner there, and then the driveway was also radiating heat. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely micro environment. But that palm is beautiful. It, it, it really is my favorite palm. Well, and the sagos, I see those around, and some people have luck leaving them out. Some yeah, don't. There's a, in fact, I went to see a guy a couple of years ago in his yard where he had had one die and wanted to know what was wrong with it. But he, uh, he wraps it with insulation, wraps mm-hmm. the trunk all the way up, pulls the fronds up, and puts mm-hmm. a big plastic yeah. bag and tape all around it. And, uh, and he's had them out a number of years, you know. That's so. not too hard to wrap. That's worth it. Yeah, well, it's, it can be it pretty is, sticky. Yeah, say it is. So. It is sticky. This but is if you want to keep one, you know. And his were on up, you know. He bought, bought them where they had some trunks on them. And it takes mm-hmm. years to get trunks on a Sego. So, you know, he, he spent some bucks on them, but they did okay. You know what job I would not like? And that would be in Florida or California. And that's pruning all the dead leaves off the palms. Yes. No, because, no. you know, you've got to climb way, way up there. And then those things, the fronds are so heavy and hard to cut. That wouldn't be a fun job. Well, you don't have to worry about climbing way up there here in the Mid South. That's right. Well, you've got more yeah. scaffolding too, called tree branches. Well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, palms. I mean, you know, for the most part, you know, when I think of a palm, I associate it with uh, an indoor palm, mm-hmm. a parlor palm, yeah, growing in a container. Um, but palms, I mean, you can still have palms in containers outdoors, even if it's an annual or tropical palm. A mm-hmm. palm. He There's, says a palm. You know, we have a, a we have palm. a file in our on our Facebook group called Hardier Palms, not yeah. Hardy mm-hmm. Palms, but Hardier Palms. Yeah. Because uh, again, like Veda said, it all has to do with the little micro environment where you've got it. Uh, but there are a number of them out there uh, that, in theory, should survive here. So. In theory, yeah, but you know, it's it's something that's so that's borderline. So you don't see a lot of nurseries packing any mm-hmm. numbers in because you know mm-hmm. the chances are they're going to die if they're placed wrong, and people will be unhappy. You know, because yeah, you can't consider that you can't count on those to come right, back. and they're they're rather expensive because they grow so slowly. Yeah. Uh, so well, my brother lost palms in Houston, Texas. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean these were big, large palms that took a while to get there. Told you know, just messed the entire landscape. Well, it didn't mess it up, but it ruined that look that he was going for. But just froze mm-hmm. them all the way down. And you know, when does that happen in Houston? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even in places that it, it's uh, indigenous to, I guess, or not they not indigenous to Texas, though, no. Houston, mm-hmm. but. They are happier there. Yeah, yeah happier <laughs> than here. Right. So, you know, you're there everywhere, and you would think that they would never have the weather to damage that. But there it is, running down to Texas, too. Hey, you know, we were talking about slugs and snails about three weeks ago. <laughs> I The other day, I, I got off work and made it home, and I was walking up my driveway. And, of course, my garage door was shut, right? And it looked like there was this 
I don't know, it looked like a tree limb was stuck to the front of the garage door. <laughs> I kept walking up there, and it was Ew. a dang slug, Ew. y'all, trying to make his way up because it was so wet. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, this thing is huge. I don't know if I've ever seen a slug. Did you just let it go? No, I did Gosh, not. I knew you Because I say know that. what that thing was going to do. As soon as it dried up, it was going to come back down and start munching on everything I have in my landscape. So, no, I got it. But it just made me think. You know, this could be one of those years. I mean, this thing was huge. I'm just mm-hmm. telling you. I, I had just, I think he had just gotten through with some stretching exercises because <laughs> it, it was, I mean, eight inches long. Well, he was, he was hanging on with the front feet and his bottom feet couldn't get a grip, so he was stretch. It was just sagging. Yeah, he but he was also dreaming. Front feet and bottom feet <laughs> yes. on a slug. They have, yeah. Oh, wait. Do slugs have teeth? <laughs> I was going to look that up. I had read somebody talking well, about Well, whether they do or not, they can eat big-time holes in your hostas, They'd have okay? to have teeth, because how would you gum a hole in they a They might have a little knife that they cut a hole out the hosta with. Oh, but. that's right. I've seen those knives. But I'm telling you guys, just be on the lookout for those nasty slugs. And, you know, and the thing was, you know, I don't mind if I see a slug or two, but I didn't want this big thing. This thing was nasty, just I'm telling yuck, you. So I got yeah. rid of him. But people that do have hostas, I mean, they love hostas. And typically, if you ever see a hole in the leaf of a hosta, nine times out of ten, it's a slug that's doing mm-hmm. it. And if that's the case, you know, back in the old days, we used the pelletized slug baits that would kill every dog and cat that even got within a half a mile of this stuff, right? Well, now, you know, it's the iron phosphide, you know, yeah. the sluggo, the sluggetta. Those products that are so much safer. Is the sluggo for a male slug and the sluggetta oh, no. for a woman No, ma'am. Slug? You get them both. It'll get them both. <laughs> thank goodness. But it's just nothing more than iron phosphide. So you can sprinkle that, and it's a really good safe bait to use around your um, hostas or anything else they're eating to yeah. get rid of those slugs. And then diatomaceous earth, mm-hmm. you know, which yeah. is kind of a white powder that you can sprinkle uh-huh. around. It'll get them also. Yeah, I like the diatomaceous earth, of course, because it's more natural and it just dries them out. <laughs> it does. And um, then Jim, he loves using the eggshells for slugs. No, I don't. <laughs> He's Doesn't the one. Work. They'll crawl that, all over That's them. right. He's the one that was the myth buster on mm. that. Yeah, tell us about the eggshell myth for slugs. Well, you know, people <laughs> say that it, that it will cut them, and it won't. You can put them all the way around a hosta, and they'll crawl right over it to get to the hosta. <laughs> or under it, either way. Yeah, it's, you know, there's just no truth to that. Yeah, so let's eliminate that. Yeah, doesn't it? Because you think yeah. uh, them walking all over the eggshells would be, yeah. see, walking with those feet. Yeah, the, the eggs, <laughs> you know, it, of course, the eggshells are just not going to work. Uh, diatomaceous earth works well, but it as soon as it absorbs moisture from the air, then it ain't any good anymore. So, so then you gotta yeah, reapply. Yeah. Iron phosphate is just for iron phosphate. It's just fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it's good for your plants. Yeah. Gives them a dark green color. Uh, it's safe around children and pets. Right. So, you know, and it's a great yeah, slug so, bait. Yeah, I yeah. like that one too. I use yeah. that one too. So diatomaceous earth does work somewhat, and if you've got some around before you can go get the iron phosphate. Then um, yeah. put that out. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just but I'm just telling you guys. I'm forewarning you. The size of this thing, <laughs> we could be mm. in for a problem. Well, remember last year when I found the leopard snail that or the leopard slug that was pretty intense to me because it was big. She sent me fat. a picture of one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, Jim, mm. what is it? <laughs> and we're gonna run to a break. So y'all give us a call two six zero five nine two six.
Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926, or put your questions on Facebook Live, because we're getting a lot of questions like that. Yeah, like Jan. Uh, Jan Farmer just texted in. She said, well, how long do you wait, you know, to pull your flowers up? Talking about the pansies mm-hmm. and replant. She said, well, how long do you keep your Christmas lights right. up? <laughs> Well, I guess uh, I'll be planting my annuals next Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, because you do see some people leave Christmas. Well, some people leave them up year-round. But a lot of in times... Fact, I was in a particular garden center this week, and there was a piece of a Christmas tree, artificial <laughs> tree, up on a snack of fertilizer. Well, there oh, wasn't there, goodness. Kenneth. Yeah, somebody... I know where you're saying. Wait, I think I know where you're talking about. Somebody brought that in just the other day for me to take a look at. And, and there it is. Yeah, I'm telling you. So. But it's March, and they had it up the whole time. <laughs> They're, they're planning ahead. And, and also, Jen, uh, the, the same texter, she said uh, she's got a, a myth question for Jim. Uh, speaking of slugs, does sprinkling salt on slugs really kill them, or does it just make them juicy, Jim? I love it. <laughs> juicy, delicious. You know, there are some things that are just, you know. It makes them melt. It's just torturous, Ooh. you know, putting salt on, on a slug. Good, you know, perfect. Torturous. Love it. Yeah. You love it. Love, you it. love it. it. I do. I really do. <laughs> it's Figures. just you have to watch with the salt, though, no. because it's not oh. good for your plants. Right. I thought you were saying I have to watch the slug no, die with nah. the salt. Just watch for your plants. Yeah, you know, I have turtles and they take care of most of them. So, and so I like I, that idea better. And, and then I'll throw out, you know, up, the main place I have trouble with them is under the deck. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they like to hide because it's moist up underneath there. So I just, you know, sweep a little of the uh, sluggo in there and right. fixes the problem. Oh, they're see, tra- they were just going attracted to, the- to it and it kills them. Yep. I love yeah. it. Yeah, well, maybe they could just set up house under your deck and leave all your plants alone, and then you could just let them stay. No, but they don't do that, They though. come out at night and venture around, you know. Venture around. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so and, and don't that's a dare, good idea on how to get it through the deck, though. Just sweep, sweep it, it through it, the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. And don't dare leave a, a, a little thing of dried dog food out, whatever you do. Oh, you they know. love that? Just as much as they do hostas, yes. Yeah, well, now if you want to draw them to one area, you know, banana peel does a pretty good job. Yeah. Give what them. if they slip? They'll break their tiny necks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knock their teeth out. Okay. Yeah, so, I, so you know what else? So, speaking of bugs, um, Leslie was up at the garden center, and we were talking about how beautiful the lantern fly bug is, insect. She said they're making earrings that look like the lantern flies now. Yeah, but, wow. but if I understand correctly, the lantern fly is not really something that you want to embrace. No. No, no. but I think it, just, it will get here like it uh, pretty much everything else. I mean, once it gets into the country, it's it's tough to stop anything. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, we have spent billions, um, really billions and billions of dollars trying to stop the emerald <clears throat> ash borer. And now they've decided, no, just, yeah. we're not going to throw any more money at it because you can't stop it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing is going to, I think, They'll find is true with, with uh, the hemlocks the sp- out west and well and yeah those particularly over in hemlocks yeah. with the Adelgate over in in North Carolina yeah uh, but the spotted lanternfly I think will eventually spread now the the one thing is they're so they're particularly fond of the tree of heaven Aelianthus which we kind of consider a weed tree so a lot of people take them down so. Hopefully, so bring them it, home. it will be uh, <laughs> slow to get here. So, Well, you know, I was just thinking when we were talking about how much money was spent trying to get the emerald ash borer under control. And maybe as we progress and learn <clears throat> that that 
huge amount of money would have been better just to go cut down the trees that were going to get it and replant with a different tree. Well, a lot of that was true, you know, and a lot of that's the way they're they're going after the um, the sp- uh, spotted lanternfly. They'll go in and um, to an area and leave one tree of heaven and cut everything down within a, a mile radius mm. so that they're all drawn to that one tree. And then they treat the tree with a metacloprid mm-hmm. so that it, you know, will get them. Uh, but I think you're still, you know, you're spitting into the wind. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time. Probably, maybe not in my lifetime, but it'll. I mean, there's so many invasive species, whether it's plants, whether it's animals, whether it's fish. Whether it's people. And whether it's bugs. I mean, yeah. and it's, like Jim was saying, it's just it's impossible uh, to eradicate all of these things. You yeah. just can't because once they get out there, I mean, there's just no stopping. So I much mean, of it's coming in on pallets, you know, yeah. in containers from over the, around the, the world. Mm-hmm. So just virtually impossible. Yeah. Well, the good thing about all the insects and all is it keeps nurserymen busy and in business. Yes. <laughs> we used to we used to pray for a good heavy infestation of fall army army worms. <laughs> so then you, you know, could as a re- nurseryman, yeah, you could sell diazinon at the bazoo. And then if you sold <laughs> sod, then you get that sell too because they ate all the sod. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, but and, and we're insects, learning. Insects we're learning. aren't going away. They're they're so there's just too many out there. Because like we have to have them to. I mean, imagine if things just did not go away. If they just stayed forever, like a like a crepe myrtle. You know, if you leave it to that uh, scale, then it's gonna just kill that crepe myrtle out eventually. Mm-hmm. But that's like the natural selection, I guess you could say. Well, and and one thing with insects in particular is. You know, there are so many wonderful insecticides on the market now. When I say wonderful, they're so much safer to use than some of the old products that we used years and years ago. Uh, even though they still have residuals, you know, uh, they're still safe to use. And a lot of people have caught on to the fact where you don't have to go out there and spray and nuke your whole landscape. You know, if you've got one bug on your rose, you don't have to spray your 30, you know, pine trees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, spot yeah, treating exactly. uh, is also really helping a lot. Yeah, that was something in the day. I have one. I have a yellow leaf. Oh, here you need a fungicide. Just spray everything. And the, really, the yellow leaf was just a simple fact of it's a yellow leaf. It was too old. Right. The leaf it's just, just a fell little. Off. Yeah, that's it. So let's not panic. All right, y'all. Get your questions together. Mm-hmm. See if y'all can stump Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, between the, all the three Isaiah of us, that's in there. If y'all want to know, is Hampton Beauty. Hampton Beauty was the azalea. Yeah, Which it's, a, it's a paracat. And it's been around for a, a long time. It's a paracat azalea, and it's, uh, it is. It's you a probably can't around. even find that azalea anymore. Uh, you actually can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in fact, I found it at uh, Almost Eden. Oh, interesting. Okay, hang on for some more gardening fun. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to, I was going to say Memphis, Tennessee, Mid-South well, Gardening in Memphis, Tennessee. If you want to give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926. And of course, you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text. 
or go to kwamradio.com and listen to us live or later on listen to the podcast. And yeah. we appreciate y'all joining us here on KWAM this morning. And if you have trouble tuning us in, go to kwamradio.com and you can get us that way too. Hi right, guys. One of the things I wrote down was the monarch butterflies. Remember for the last really four or five years, we've been really hearing about how uh, there's been a steep decline in the population of the monarch butterflies. And then even, uh, Jim, was it last year or year before last, where almost nationwide uh, there was a big push to plant milkweed mm-hmm. uh, for the monarchs because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those monarchs are coming out of Mexico and they kind of migrate their way up and then they make their way back uh, in the fall. But, um, you know, was, and I was doing a little bit more reading about them last night and, you know, they were saying, well, how come the monarch butterflies are not on the endangered species list? And they said, well, they are an endangered species, no doubt about it. But there are other critters uh, that that are more endangered, okay? Yeah. So they're kind of in line. Uh, they had to just wait their time before they get on the endangered <laughs> species list. You just, you just wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> but, I, but I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, milkweed is a, uh, a lot of varieties are really tough perennials, okay? They'll come back. Uh, every year, mm-hmm. beautiful blooms. So I'm just bringing this up because, you know, it's not ever a bad idea to plant milkweed. It's surely not a bad idea to plant milk, milkweed if you're thinking about the monarch butterflies because mm-hmm. they got to have certain plants that they lay their eggs on. Are they, you know, they just won't, you know? Yeah. And they say in the, the habitat uh, in Mexico and even in California where they typically overwinter, uh, that habitat is, you know, very rapidly going away you know they're they're you know the land the trees the whatever their their places uh, of uh, where they habitat are are being destroyed so yeah it doesn't hurt to put some milkweed out there uh this well, spring. which one is because i'm finding out there's a lot of different milkweeds but some do not return here yeah. do not come back mm-hmm. well but they're right? still all good for the the yeah. monarch when i say all i mean that whether Cur- it's the curabasica the blood flower mm-hmm. uh, does not return here, I've never had it come back. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, Tuberosa, which likes dry ground, yeah. full mm-hmm. sun, uh, the orange one, it will. It's fairly dependable, but it doesn't like to be fooled with. You don't want to move it. Mm-hmm. You know, once you plant it, forget about it. Yeah. Put yeah. it in a place where you don't have to fool with it. Then the swamp milkweed's much easier to deal with. Um, and they can take wetter conditions, off, right? More wet conditions, right? And they, you know, I've had them. Of course, they feed off both. But in my garden, they have by far preferred the swamp milkweed than hmm. the um, the uh, the orange one. So yeah, the other one. <laughs> yeah, and, and they said also the purple cone flower, which we all love. Uh, the black eyed susans, the rebecchias, mm-hmm. you know, of course, are great perennials. Uh, and then even some asters. So, you know, those type of perennials uh, are uh, really uh, not only easy to grow and typically come back mm-hmm. great, uh, but they're also really good for these monarch Well, you just listed a really great perennial landscape that's very hardy. The coneflower, the uh, black-eyed Susans, black-eyed Susan, and the asters. And the asters. Yeah. Because the coneflower and black-eyed Susans are going to bloom all summer. Very hardy, look good together. The aster will be nice foliage, and then in the fall, you'll get a really good pop of color then. So y'all should consider if you've got a full sun bed or even, you know, some shade on it to do coneflower, asters, 
And the, I'm like Jim, the yellow flowers are which ones? Like that, Susan? Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a great perennial combination for sun. Yeah, and because, I mean, there again, I mean, monarchs are cool butterflies. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and there definitely has been a a decline in their numbers. So Let's uh, help them out. Yeah, so this will help. We need them to have energy, too, to make it to their destination well and they're saying you know if you keep reading uh, other articles they're saying you know climate change has mm-hmm. something to do with it because the weather patterns have changed and there's more storms when they're migrating so and it could be a combination of weather and uh, you know deforestation yeah. and so forth but anyway the easy thing for us to do is just plant our perennials yeah. out there enjoy the perennials but at the same time you're kind of giving a leg up to the monarch butterfly well, you know like when certain places in our in nature on in the states in the world as you look back on history i mean where what what was memphis before a river city you know just a a, just a hardwood forest yeah yeah right a mixed hardwood forest because we're right where three different forests come together yeah so so we're messing up that habitat but if we're doing what we should then we need to keep creating things that we've messed up you know in that way so so because that's happened all of our life we've had to like now there's cities that were underwater from like hundreds of years ago a city was under was fine and then everything changed in the environment the oceans raised or whatever and now those cities are underwater so this isn't a new phenomenon of the world changing. Oh, I mean, this no. This always happening. Mean, civilization is going to continue to grow. And just mm-hmm. even think of, you know, we're, de- we're definitely taking away their natural habitat. A lot of different things. I mean, in the simplest of terms, yeah. think about a purple martin house. Okay, we're mm-hmm. creating a place for these martins to live. Yeah. I mean, think about a bat house, a butterfly house, anything, a bluebird house. Yeah. You know, a butterfly house. Well, whatever, Jim. I think but there is a butterfly there is. house. There is a butterfly house, a butterfly but shelter. no butterfly is going to go in there. Yeah, there you go. There's a house, but <laughs> they're not right. going to live uh-uh. there. If he went in there, there'd be a spider waiting for him. Yeah, you're oh. exactly right. Oh. Every See, time. The, the butterfly house is for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is, the, the idea is if you hang a cocoon up in there and let it hatch out, it mm-hmm. will climb out through that little slit in the butterfly yeah. house. But I'm <clears> telling you, Spider's going to get him before he ever gets out there. <laughs> True. So there. So there. <laughs> so it's just a decorative piece in your yard, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, because butterflies have a lot of places to stay. Yeah. And then you've got to move it. Why would you? And then when you put up a martin house, the martins are eating mostly moths and dragonflies. And dragonflies are so good for mosquitoes, and martins aren't. So they're. No, but they're fun to watch. Now, they are beautiful to watch. Yes, they are. This is true. So why not? You know, but it's just the things that that we've been told that we've been working off of. And that's dangerous for nature, too, if you're working off of something that's actually not true. Sometimes you're making it worse than better in terms of. The purple martin houses, I think we should have some up just for where they can live and all and just for the environment. But know that it's not going to control every mosquito that you have right. in your backyard. Right. Right. So we think that's that's all we need to do when there's so many more things you can do in your environment to help control mosquitoes. Well, and besides the, a purple martin. And house. I don't mind like Jim was just saying, I don't mind seeing dragonflies in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it's funny. You'll see these little little gnats flying around in your backyard. 
almost like in a little circular cloud, yes, okay? Yes, yes, Buffalo yes. nets. Buffalo nets. And you see the <laughs> dragonflies just dive-bombing these little yeah. things until they're gone, I'm telling you. That's fine. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's good. that I mean, they're they're eating these bugs that are out there in your backyard. So if you see dragonflies, they're, they're, that's a wonderful thing. They're actually a good bug. Dragonflies. I don't know why that just made me think of a bug dragging a fly. <laughs> A dragonfly. See where her mind goes, Jim. See no, that? No, I don't know why. You know Do where you know. get dragon milk from? Dragons? No, from a cow with short legs. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Where do you get? Where do you get dragon milk? Dragon from milk a cow with short legs. legs. I'm not clicking on that one for some reason. Okay. Anyway, so back to the hearty milkweed. <laughs> Well, and, It'll and, come to me like in the middle of a conversation with somebody at work. And, I'll go, oh, I got it. And, and the only, to me, perennials, the beauty of a perennial is they're going to come back every year for you. And they're usually going to multiply and get bigger and better every year. Now, they do have a blooming season. You know, they some bloom longer than others, you know, compared to an annual that blooms every day until frost. But you got to replant it every mm-hmm. year. So there's always a little give and take, you know, but the beauty, like I said, of perennials is they typically will come back every year for you. Oh, speaking of perennials, like the epimediums, epimediums, they, to Baron, some people, wart. yeah, to some people, they're not even interested in them, but I love the different types of foliage and the fact that it's in the shade and it can all, it can keep most of or part of its leaves through the winter Mm -hmm. but it is so just a really pretty another texture in your landscape now there's cute little blooms Mm this little cute blooms it's one of the type that when you're walking your garden you're enjoying everything so you you have to stop and and see the blooms. Yeah, but They're it's not, not just this massive bloom like right. you see on a hibiscus. Yes, okay? but it's something different and it's dainty. And there's a lot of different varieties of epimediums, and, and it's a tough. shade plant. They're yeah, tough. Yeah, tough. So, and we have one that's like uh, unique, and so it's going anything unique or, or new that's out is going to cost more, and. So one of the girls said, this is how much this plant is. <laughs> and they're learning. They're learning, you know, well, now these over here, how come they're that price? And how come these over here, this price? Well, it, and it's new varieties or harder varieties. And it can always be a little trying also when you're trying to garden in the shade. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so easy to find things that plant and grow in the sun because most of them do. But you got to be a little more specific when you're trying to find things that actually do well in the shade. And epimedium, and of course shade is so relative, mm-hmm. I get it. But epimedium uh, is one of those, like you said, Veda, semi-evergreen perennials that is tough as nails. And you're not really putting it out there for the bloom. I mean, they're beautiful when they do bloom. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you like you're saying, Veda, you're putting it out there for the foliage. Yeah. And, and it's a great ground cover for under azaleas and that sort of thing because mm-hmm. it does quite well there, uh, competing with shallow-rooted suit. Uh, shallow rooty plants. So oh, beautiful. I like that epimedium yeah. as a shade ground cover around azaleas would be that would be pretty. Yeah. I mean, really as a ground pretty. cover in the shade anywhere, but including even around azaleas, like mm-hmm. Jim said. So azaleas like um, a good amount of moisture, and the epimedium can take both dry shade and more moisture. So if you were planting in a dry sh- shade area, I would do the cast iron, the Linton rose. The epimedium, and even the hookera, yes. the corabels. Speaking of hookera, I, I got a preview yesterday of uh, some of the plants that are going to be at the Memphis 
Botanic Garden Spring Plant Center oh, towards the end of the month. But they have about know, 50 or 60 varieties of eucalyptus. I love that. It's, I love that perennial. And they've had them in the greenhouse, so they're up in the beautiful. So, you know. I got to hurry. Well, we're going to go to a break, and Jim's going to tell us about it after the break. We'll be right back. There we go. All right. Now I can hear me. Um, Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Um, It got really bright in here. Kenneth and I almost had to put on our, our sunglasses because the light bulb came over. (laughs) <laughs> right. head. I was like, oh. <laughs> she, caught, she figured out where oh, the dragon <laughs> milk comes from. <laughs> and then, what did Kenneth say? That's where low-fat milk comes <laughs> from. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give us a call this morning, guys, 260. I promise the program will get better. It will. 260-5926. 260-5926. Or go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and uh, Mid-South Gardening. And there's uh, Miss Veda right there. You can see her live and you can shoot us a text. And then kwamradio.com, uh, listen to live and, and listen to the podcast later on. But Okay, so Jim was going to tell us some more about the hookahs and all, but we have someone calling in wondering, how does one prune a vitex tree or a chase vitex tree? And if you don't know what tree that is, you've got to look it up because you're going to want one. But it looks to me, it looks like an overgrown butterfly bush. It's, you know, poor, They're beautiful. Poor, poor a marijuana plant. Poor man's lilac, yeah. what we used to poor, call it. Oh, poor there you go. Lilac. Yeah. A lot of people come in and thinking that their neighbor was growing marijuana. Yeah, because yeah, it so much looks like that. I'm serious. I'm like, why would I do? Beautiful blooms. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful blooms. And they're typically a summer bloomer. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the best time to prune them. Well, they bloom on first-year wood, so you can prune them right now if you need to. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about them, they're, they're great trees. They do sometimes tend to uh, root sprout so that mm-hmm. you end up with groves of them. So usually I try to keep, cut, keep those cut off. Uh, but right now would be a good time to do any pruning. And, and not affect the bloom at all. And can right. I say this? Yeah. If you want something that is a magnet for bumblebees, mm-hmm. plant some vitex back there. Yeah. I'm telling you that you'll have more bees you won't right. have to ever worry about pollinating anything because yeah. they love vitex. Yeah, and as they grow taller, the bees won't be in your face. No, yeah, and, but there are dwarfer, spe- dwarfer, dwarfer varieties now, or dwarf varieties now <laughs> that, uh, are, you know, that are more suited for some home areas. And and what I like is the NASCAR series. You know, that's it's got the Danica pink. Really? Do yes. you mean there's a NASCAR series? There is oh. Pe- petty blue. And wow. then there is another. The petty blue, I love yeah, it. Yeah, th- there's another one, white, and I've forgotten what your driver is. You, you but, see more blue than you do white, but the white's yeah. a beautiful Vitex well, also. Well, who would they even are. think about having a NASCAR series Vitex? Well, that's hilarious. Yeah. Had to come out of Georgia. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so, okay, I mean, so, so the answer is you can prune those uh, anytime now. Get in there and you don't have to prune them, but you get mm-hmm. in there and kind of clean them up. Yeah. Anything on the interior, you can, if, you know, you can right. space them out a little bit. Well, but. we had one that was a bush or this, and we wanted it into a tree. And so we went in and cut lots of limbs off the ground. I did the same thing. I mean, thing. not limbs, but, you know, they had too many trunks. And uh, cleaned up the inside, and then it was just a nice-looking tree. So we were taking small limbs out first, all the small limbs, to open it up. And then you stand back and look, you know, stand back and look, and then you can go to the next bigger limbs. But what you're doing is just cleaning it out on the inside. You don't have to shear it back or anything like that. But then after we did that, uh aha, 
more planting space mm-hmm. because we limbed it up instead of keeping it well on the and ground. i can remember vividly that i had a vitex at my old house years ago and i tree formed it like you're talking about because i wanted mm-hmm. a tree form it was back against the back wall and talking about the bumblebees i remember every time i cut the grass of course i would have to go right up under yeah this vitex and it was like a million bees you right above just my head but they didn't mess with me, not mm-hmm. at all. I mean, I didn't mess with them. They didn't mess with me. But I'm just thinking, you know, it's a little spooky yeah. pushing the lawnmower under this Vitex, and there's 8 million bumblebees above me, but they could have cared less. So I love them. And also, we, y'all, we had a texter text in, uh, Louise Taylor. She said, good morning from Oakland. Uh, y'all are doing such a great job on educating that I don't even need to call in with a question. Thank oh, you. That's what it is. All right, Louise. Well, thank you, my dear. She was gardener. talking to me. Oh, well, I just said she was a good gardener. She was talking, even to all though of us. she was okay. Yeah, she is. We built a tear bed in the front of her yard so she didn't have to fall down the hill to landscape or to just plain garden. So we did a, a tear bed mm-hmm. so she could have sp- um, space to garden and just walk down the tears instead of just having because yeah. it was a slope. Yeah, and so that's... she ended up with lots of planting area. Well, sometimes you have to tear, like you said, mm-hmm. if you've got a pretty severe slope my good old friend uh, years ago danny hoskins lived out in um oh country wood okay and you needed a four-wheel drive to get up his driveway i'm not kidding it's the it was back the, in the day yes it was the most steep driveway i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. to this day and his front yard if you can imagine was bermuda grass and it constantly had ruts in this front yard (laughs) because every time it rained water would fly down this yard Mm -hmm. so he was constantly trying to keep grass on there and finally they moved away from that house uh, you know not long after they moved in but my point is yeah we we were we drove back through there you know a couple years later and that that yard hadn't changed a bit. And I'm just thinking, someone oh. needs to get in there and tear that yard, like you're talking about. So for about. like 50 years, it's just been... It's been, but it, I mean, it is a steep slope. And I mean, it's almost like you could put your, your golf shoes on to cut mm-hmm. the grass, you know? Yeah. And you got to go sideways. To hold yourself from falling yeah, down? Yeah, you got to okay. go sideways cutting <laughs> the grass. You can't go up and down or you're, you'd kill yourself. <laughs> but it's just, you know, one of those things where, you know, you're talking about tearing Mm-hmm. Uh, some places are really set up for that. I'm telling you. Jim. Jim. <laughs> I'm just listening to the educator. <laughs> I know we're like, Jim. Oh, wait, the hookahs, though. You were going to okay, talk yeah. about those. They, uh, the Botanic Garden, of course, has been busy all winter long getting ready for this, this sale because it's a significant income for the horticulture department. Um, and, and, but they had yesterday, I, was, I went out there to or Thursday, we filmed a little segment for the Botanic Gardens uh, and Booker T's program. Uh, Booker T. Lee is our county agent, if y'all don't know him. Uh, but anyway, he, um, I mean, the, the, they had 50 or 60 varieties of euchre. They're all up. They're all absolutely beautiful. You know, all these different color foliage. Uh, there was one in uh, right up now. Of course, I was trying to remember the name, and I can't remember it now. But it was it was bright, bright yellow foliage mm-hmm. in a, a almost it, it phosphorescent bl- a pink. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was it was it stood out, and the flowers are huge. Um, Wait, fluorescent pink? Yeah, and it just was so different than the foliage, you know. Um, and and, uh, and I, pull, I pulled huh. it to show it on the. Uh, 
uh, on the program because it was just stunning. But the, they have it's going to be a great sale as always. Uh, they've got uh, they've been working on the perennials and they had a crew there yesterday pot mm-hmm. or Thursday potting. So uh, you know it's going to be t- towards the end of the month, twenty fourth, twenty fifth. How much sun like do you that. think eucharis can actually take? Well, it depends on on what which ones you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them can take a good bit of sun. Mm-hmm. You know, and the main thing is if you're going to plant a eucharis in the ground, you need to pick one that is a velosa hybrid or cultivar. Uh, Eucharis velosa is native to the southeastern United States, so it's it's suited to our soils, our heat, uh, and so it needs to have that parentage in it to really perform well. Right. Any other one, grow it as a container plant. As an annual? Yeah. Uh, well, no, you can grow it as a perennial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, only in a container. Yeah, yeah, they just won't tolerate that uh, our warm soil, mm-hmm. our warm night temperatures that we have. Uh, and, and But in a container, they do quite well. So, um, you know, it's, but yep. it's going to be a great sale. Anyway, get a chance, you, you do want to go out there. Yeah, we used one, a couple on a fence in a trough garden in the sun. I'll tell you about that later. We'll be right back. morning welcome back to mid-south gardening glad y'all can be with us this morning y'all can watch us on facebook live you can post a question there uh you can check out our facebook page mid-south gardening if you can't pick us up you can go to kwamradio.com yes you can if you want to give us a call guys it's easy 260-5926-260-5926 and the podcast Ah, kwamradio.com so there's there's so many different ways and betty you were talking about and jim about the heuchera which is a perennial that grows, to me, it's a kind of a high shade, filtered sun, mottled sun. You just want to typically keep these heuchera or coral bells out of that hot afternoon mm-hmm. sun. I've seen people put them out there. You do tend to get a burn on that foliage come midsummer, but I like more of a morning sun or a high shade mm-hmm. or filtered sun. But the beauty of them is, and they've done this to a lot of different perennials, whether it's, you know, Lenten rose or heucheras or whatever. There's so many different varieties out there now. And like you were saying, Jim, there are some that do really well in mm-hmm. this area in the ground, and there are some that do much better in containers. But, Veda, you were talking about using them in containers mm-hmm. uh, because of their, all the different colors yeah. that you have they're to work with. They're such a good right. filler. Yeah. And, and they're, don't take abuse. I've got one in a container on my front porch. It's a caramel. It's evergreen, mm-hmm. and it's been there all through the winter. It got no rain other than what could be blown in on it. Wow. Okay, because it's under an eave. Yeah. I've not watered it, and it's gorgeous. That's usually right. the first plant that dies around my house. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I was telling you about plants. The one that's some... up under the eave. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Because, okay, gotcha, because there's no rain yeah. coming under the eave. Uh, these trough gardens were hanging on the fence, and <laughs> the girl that planted them at the time, when the fence is closed or the gate is closed, it's in the shade. But when you open it, it's in the sun. <laughs> so she planted heuchera, one in each one. And it was an orangish one, and I can't remember which one. So I'm thinking, I'll let her know that it needs to be in the shade, but let's, you know, it's early in the spring, so it's going to tolerate the sun no problem. So I told her that. 
<laughs> and then it gets in the summer. And guess what? It's still fine. Uh-huh. And we get more into the fur of the summer. It's still fine. And I'm supposed to be teaching these people things. And she's like, I thought you said. <laughs> this thing was going to burn up in the sun. And I right? go, well, let me tell you another thing about gardening. Everything's not 100%. <laughs> But when we got July, no, August time frame, it was burning. And, you know, it didn't look as desirable as you wanted. But then it cooled off and it started flushing out looking good. But it's, it must have been that wonderful soil we used. We used earth mix and then or we used the happy farms. The happy frog. Uh, yeah, the yeah. happy frog. So I think that helped it a lot. But it was dry. It was dry, though. We didn't water it a lot. Well, but you're right. I mean, in full sun is typically not the best place to put them because mm-hmm. they I've seen them burn before. But I'm just guys, I'm telling you, if you want a beautiful foliage perennial, mm-hmm. whether you put it in the ground or whether you put it in containers, a great filler plant for containers also. Don't overlook the heuchera because there's so many different colors out there now. There are. And then I saw the post on our Facebook page that Jim was Jim does and somebody had sent a picture and said, Are these weeds? And I'm looking at it and it's the wood violets. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. yes, no. No, yes. Are well, these weeds? Yes, know, no. And Louise, hang on just a yeah. second. Is it, when people talk about weeds, you know, um all a weed is is just something that's out of place. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. They could be wildflowers, you know. A gorgeous rose in the middle of a cotton field is a weed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you know when you talk, they're not, they're not bad unless you don't want them there. Right. So That's well, just, I think yeah. Paul Little and uh, he's blessed me twice. Uh, one was the northern sea oats. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. that were absolutely <laughs> beautiful that you put in a container and they look like, you know, sea oats that you see down on the Gulf. And it makes you yeah. think of the ocean and everything else until they escape from the pot they, that you put them in, right? And then the other ones was some yellow blooming violets, okay? most oh, yeah. Most violets you see out there have that purplish bloom. Well, since these had a yellow bloom, they were <laughs> something a little unique to and me. And surely they won't spread. Of course not. They are everywhere in this back bed and probably have spread through the woods by now and they'll always be there so you know i got him to thank for all of this well there actually are uh, at the botanic garden too they've got i think three or four varieties of perennial violets uh there's one particularly pretty that uh one one called etane uh i grew it a number of years ago and it's uh it's bright yellow with a blue edge Mm -hmm. and it's it's the flower is the size of a panola i mean it's huge Mm -hmm. So they're absolutely gorgeous. And in this case, though, these even though these are violets that we're talking about that, you know, people loathe when they see them in their yard, and I do the same thing. But back in this back bed where this mimosa tree is growing and some other things, I mean, it looks like a beautiful ground cover. And then when they have those yellow blooms on them, you know, it even looks better. So I don't mind, like you're talking about, Jim, while ago, I don't mind the violets being there. Now, mm-hmm. if that same violet was in my grass, then, then I would consider issue. the weed. Yeah, right. yeah. Are we talk? we're not talking about this, or this plant that I'm thinking of. I don't know if it's the one that you're talking about. Does it have the um, I mean, violet the, foliage? Yes, it looks what's, just like the, the violet that you uh, see growing in your yard. What's the one that has the glossy uh, succulent-like leaves, foliage, and it blooms late spring? Bill Farrell had a whole bunch in his yard. 
and it and it just was a nice ground cover. What was it? Mr. Paul may know. Or, I mean, but or you're feel. talking about. But it, did it? Was it in the Violet family? No, you think? no. But oh, you talking about maybe Green Sheen, Pachysandra, or something no, like that? No? no, it was a perennial because the guys were like, "Oh no, do we have to remove all of that?" <laughs> because and it was the same way. I'm thinking. I've never seen it before, and it was all over his yard. So I called, and I said, what do we do with this? Yeah. And he said, you know, it dies down in the summer, so it just let it be right now because it looked like it could just take over. But I wish I knew what it was because it was a good plant still, mm-hmm. even though it, it uh, crawled around a lot. But, I mean, I thought about it when you just said the yellow blooms on the violets. Yes, yeah. I mean, so... You know, there again, I mean, it all depends on where the plant is growing, whether mm-hmm. you consider it a weed or not. Yeah. And like Jim said, a beautiful rose bush in the middle of the cotton field, it's a weed out there. Yeah. That same rose bush in your rose bed, it's a beautiful rose, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, like uh, the the violas that, when I first got in the garden industry, <clears throat> vi- violas were not a weed because they grew up on the hills in the countryside and there was a couple of patches around my grandmother's house and so me and my cousins would go out and pick them yeah. do little bouquets and give them to grandmother so you didn't see them as a weed so when somebody came in and wanted to kill it i was so shocked and i told them well why would you want to do that you know i could not fathom why anybody would want to kill a uh, violet but now I know in urban situations, it can take over your whole yard or you don't want it in your yard. So, therefore, that's why they want to kill them. You got it. All right, let's go to Louise from Oakland. Good morning, Louise. Thanks for calling in. Oh, good morning. You've hey. been kind enough to mention my name the last week and, and this week. I'm, you know, you have school classes where you like to sit, some classes you like to sit in the back of the room and some <laughs> in the front. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to sit in the back of the room. And <laughs> I'll see I, you back I, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sweating in places and I'm nervous all over. And listening to you now is different than a few minutes ago. Yeah. But I do have a little bit of history with all three of you. Yeah. Because when I, when I first moved to Oakland, I found your radio station and I loved listening to it because I had been gardening for over 30 years in Massachusetts mm. and it's way different. But I had mentioned um, that I wanted to get rid of, I called in and I asked about cutting down an oak tree in my front yard, and I thought Kenneth was going to hyperventilate <laughs> when, we, when we were talking about it. And then I finally did cut it down, and I went to Dan West, and mm. fortunately Jim was there, and mm. I said, what can I grow there? Because I got tired of mowing on the slope. Right. And he, and and Jim said he was in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, and he said, "Well, you know, you can throw some verbena down because I said I love flowers." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, just throw some verbena on there," and and it did. And I learned all about verbena and growing there. And then I was very fortunate two years ago to get Beta to come over because I was at a at a Dan West another time. Yeah. And they I said, you know. The dirt just keeps going down, and they said, "Well, you need to tear it to catch the dirt before it gets." Yes. Down. Mm-hmm. So Beta came out, and she helped me do that. And I, I just continue to learn from all of you. And you were just talking about weeds, and uh, there's a very nice girl out here in Fayette County that does um, foraging, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited that I finally get to go today oh. to her farm 
and learn all about weeds and their good purposes. Oh, so it's I just love been that. a win. A win-win for me. Yeah. Well, I'm done talking. You're, you're sweet to say all that, Louise. But but let me just say this. Keep an open mind. When you go over there today, and if you see weeds that are truly weeds, you can talk her into getting a weed killer and getting rid of them, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my doubts. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a true herbalist. They they don't do that. That sounds so good. Yeah, Louise, I uh, deleted all my contacts by accident, of course. So I don't have your number. So you'll have to text me again. So I'll have it because I want to hear about more about this lady who's doing the foraging for the weeds. Oh, Emily. Yeah, she has a a new life herbs in Somerville. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but thank you all for everything you teach me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Louise, for calling in. Thank you, babe. Bye. And, Jim, your uh, verbena was still there. No, well, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, and it would be good if you go by there and take some pictures of how it progresses and what she's done over And you're talking about the the verbena, the perennial verbena. Yeah, yeah, Uh yeah. Homestead or um, the red one? What's the red one? Is that the Taylor red? No, it's or, called or, uh, Red Homestead. Yeah. Just like there's Purple Homestead. There's yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're very, very tough. I've had them in bloom in January. Yeah. You know, they're evergreen. They you know, are. They have tough. nice foliage, too. Some verbenas have real little, little foliage, little needle-like foliage that seems to just kind of not look as rich and as pretty but the mm-hmm. homestead has the big foliage and i remember and i know we got to go to a break but i remember seeing homestead verbena faded like you're talking about uh in a bed on the on a school campus mm-hmm. okay and this thing didn't have any irrigation whatsoever i'm not yeah. saying abused verbena like that but i'm just saying <laughs> it can take a lot of abuse and mm-hmm. still bloom yeah. for you especially when it gets established yeah Okay, y'all, um, y'all are listening to KWAM Radio, and y'all can call us 260-5926. Get your coffee, get your tea, get ready, because we still have more to go. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Call us, 260-5926, or put it on Facebook Live. And, you know, sometimes you can call in. Well, all the time you can call in, but you actually don't have to be on air. You can tell Claire, and she'll put the question on the board for us, yeah. too. Yeah, we had, you know, about the Vitex, you know. Mm-hmm. How, when's the best time to cut it back? She didn't want to uh, – she called in, but she just left the question, like yeah. you said, Veda. Um, hey, real quick, I know we only got, like, uh, eight or nine minutes before we go to the next break, but – what about the old carpenter bees this time of year? You know, you walk outside and you see this, what they looks like a big old bumblebee mm-hmm. flying around, licking you right in the face, right? And then zipping off and coming <laughs> right back and trying to scare you away. Uh, that's probably going to be a carpenter bee. Uh, and they're great pollinators, and there's nothing wrong with them until they start boring a hole into your wood. And that's where they become a problem. Uh, the male has a, you know, yellow, yellow dot on mm-hmm. its face, and they don't even sting. By them. You know, they don't even have a stinger to sting you with. The females, uh, they can sting, but they typically don't unless you really just grab one, mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, I don't mind carpenter bees. They can go out there because they do all the pollinating in the world, but I can't stand or you can't have carpenter bees drilling holes into your house yeah. or whatever, uh, any kind of wood structure. Mm-hmm. Now, they say wood that's been painted or stained is less prone to damage by carpenter bees. But I, the point I'm getting at is 
If you're having a problem with carpenter bees boring holes into swing sets or whatever, uh, and you don't want that, uh, then there's a couple of things. You can spray the whole wood surface with a permethrin or something similar to that. You can get uh, dust that maybe has delta methrin and squirt that in the hole that you see. And then there's even aerosol cans now with tubing that you can push that little tube up in that hole, push the button, and eradicate whatever's in there, whether it's the larva or the bee itself. But I'm just saying be on the lookout for carpenter bee damage Mm -hmm. this time of year because this is when they're really active right now. Yeah, and if you don't want to kill them— Kenneth likes to see things mm-hmm. turn over on their back and what? die. Yeah. No, <laughs> only, if, only if they were dr- like drilling holes in well, places where yeah, I did but not. If, you know, if you if you see them drilling holes in there, you can actually take a Q-tip, put a little peppermint oil or cinnamon oil on it, and just dab it inside there, and he won't go back in that hole. Then you can fill that hole and, and cover it up. Or fill um, it with him in there. But. Uh, <laughs> I, I have found, yeah, I have found that if uh, if they're active around one, spray the wood with Pledge. You know, it does, has lemon oil in it, and they, it tends to repel them. Like that, that is an easy yeah. thing to do. And, 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 you know, of course, you can't do it where it's going to rain on it. It, it would wash it off. But, you know, uh, most exposed wood is usually not out in the rain. So, you know, yeah. Well, it, it like they're well. doing in, uh, I think it was England, they're building the um, bee houses, in, the carpenter bee houses, into vents on their walls really so they'll have houses well it looks like it's a vent yeah. that's what it looks like but it's real decorative and so on each floor there will be one of those bee houses so so they're giving them the environment to live hoping that they're not going to choose the other wood structures and it's becoming a all the builders are doing it now actually well, and it, you could put out the bee houses too yeah but and the only reason i bring it up is because i mean they're really out active this time of year and like i said and i love you know i don't mess i don't mind mm-hmm. bumblebees and i surely don't mind carpenter bees but i've seen the damage that they can do and i promise you the hole that they drill in a piece of wood looks just like you get a half inch drill yes, bit and i mean it is perfectly just like a drill would would drill mm-hmm. uh the hole but, um, you know, they can, I'm just telling you, they can do some damage. And that's the problem. I've known people that have had rustic kind of like cabins, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, up in the woods or their, you know, their weekend home. And we've had people over the years ask me, you know, what in the heck can I do to get rid of these carpenter bees that are just drilling holes in the side of my house? Talking about this cabin, yeah. rustic house. And that's when it really becomes a problem. They can't let them just keep doing that and not do anything. So, because you know, I guess if you put the holes in, if they put the holes in there, it starts rotting. Well, yeah, and not only do they drill a hole in, then they start going sideways with the grain of the wood. Mm-hmm. So you're just seeing the opening hole. This it's much more extensive, kind of like termites, you know. Yeah. Except it's a bee that's doing it, and it's a much bigger hole. Yeah, and where you have to worry is where they're doing it up underneath your deck where you can't see them, you know, yeah. because <laughs> you want to, you know, set that new grill out there and suddenly be down on the first floor. <laughs> so that, so <laughs> exactly. they can actually do that much. Yes, oh, yeah. Can. Wow. Now, and it wouldn't happen in one year, yeah. uh, but they keep going back, you know, to those holes, and they keep getting bigger as far as the tunnel work inside the wood. So uh, just be on the lookout for carpenter bees, and if you think they're doing some damage, you can either, uh, like Jim was saying, get some peppermint oil or lemon, or you can get some sprays, or you can get 
the dust that you dust up into the holes. And like I said, you can even get aerosol cans now with the tubes on it that's stored up in there. So there are different ways you can control carpenter bees, but just be on the lookout. Well, sweet bees. Now, They're me, always and well, in Let trouble. me say this also. And the other angle is, you know, if you want to free up your shoulder or your elbow, you can get the racket ball racket or the yeah. tennis racket. Mm-hmm. And if they're flying around, you you get them every time. Oh, you know we just can't say, Kenneth. No. I just can't say. <laughs> Do not put holes in my house yeah. as you're hitting them with the racket. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> okay, you know, so that's uh, could be an organic control. It would be an organic <laughs> be control. Funny anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but can you see the neighbors looking out there? You swinging this tennis racket or whatever around, and of course they don't yeah, see the bee, right. and they're like, "This guy's going crazy." Well, that's like you look up and go, "What is wrong with that person?" And they're trying to get the spider web off of them. Yeah, or they're running from the wasp that just stung him in the back of the right. head. And you're like, "What is wrong with these people?" But that's the funniest looking one is people get stuck in the spider web, and you look at a distance, and they're trying to pull it off, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "This person no, really has an issue." That's funny. But the funniest is when they were getting attacked by wasps. And they, they're doing the oh. kung fu dance out there. And you can't oh, see the wasp. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they're running like they are getting stung. Yeah, or, they are. Or, or, or when you stand on top of a yellow jacket hole and it goes up your pants like Thank you, oh, Jim. Done yep. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not fun. That's well, now that we've talked you out of gardening outside, <laughs> we're going to come back and talk you back into gardening. So y'all keep listening and call us at 260-5926. It's not time yet. Well, how come you were still Well, but that mad? means that means because you, you've got. It doesn't like, mean end it. It just means, means get be, ready. <laughs> Let's it see means now. this is twenty years you've been doing mean, this. I know. I'm like okay. <laughs> circling means get ready. Get ready, but this means one minute. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, but no, no, I got that backwards too. Okay. So anyway, back to the bees. <laughs> After that, I think it is time. Now to go. it's getting. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you I didn't want to be in this seat. Now, what do you mean by that? Because look what just happened. Oh, who cares? All right. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be here with you for the third hour. Lots of great topics to talk about because gardening goes on forever. Yeah, it does. Yeah. If you want to give us a call this morning, 260 260- Five nine two six two six zero five nine two six, or go to Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page or KWAMRadio.com. So what what happened? Let's see what happened in your yard yesterday, Jim, and what happened at the garden center yesterday, Kenneth. What are people wanting? What are you seeing? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like I said, so people are so excited this time of year. I mean, you get a nice day. Yesterday there was blue skies and it was beautiful, uh, and people know it's still a little early. But, uh, man, they're, they're still buying. They're buying annuals. They're buying perennials. They're buying shrubs. They're buying vines. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the guys like me, you know, they're getting their weed killers and their pre-emergence <laughs> uh, and, their, and their bug killers. Yeah. You know? The guys like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I mean, really, it's, it's kind on. of everything. Yeah. We've had a lot of interest in herbs. Herbs are mm-hmm. kicking off really good. 
Uh, ferns definitely got to have a fern. Everybody has to have a fern, yeah. like like the Kimberly Queen <laughs> or the Boston or the Macho. But of course, you have to have a fern in your landscape too. But these are the ones you get every year and plant in containers, and they last forever and look wonderful. You can bring in the Macho fern and the Kimberly Queen mm-hmm. fern. You can bring bring those in in the winter, and they look great. A lot of people bring Boston ferns in, but they defoliate, you know, every day. You got to sweep something off the ground. And then if you're like my mother was, she was always checking in the fern to make sure she had no worms. And one day it paid off. She had worms in the fern. Yeah, and I, I went, well, now, what are you going to do? Uh, You're so pleased you got them. What are you going to do now? You know, I don't <laughs> mind having my perennial ferns, like your Christmas ferns, mm-hmm. your autumn ferns, your lady ferns. I mean, there's tons of perennial ferns that you can plant out in your shaded landscape, mm-hmm. right? And I don't mind having some annual ferns that I pitch aside every year. Yeah. Like you said, the Boston fern, the Kimberly fern, the Macho fern. Uh, to me, I, I I treat those as an annual. Yeah. Uh, but if you want a big fern for a container, I mean, you know, go look at the macho or the Kimberly. Ooh, you could even go with the <laughs> autumn fern. Do you have a file on the ferns yet, or to? Uh, yeah, there's, there's already one posted on that as a hardy fern I was file. Thinking so. Yeah, I'll yeah, definitely check ferns. that out. We have them marked. You know, which ones are evergreen, which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some of them do have a little. Um, peculiarities about them where you need to keep the pH on some up around seven, some yeah. of the brake ferns and that sort of thing. But oh, so you could plant uh, them with some hydrangeas in the same area. Yes. The hydrangeas you want pink, mm. and you got to have the pH high for the ferns, so you could just right. get away with. But the that's whole good thing. to know okay. because I would never ever just because of typically where ferns are growing, mm-hmm. you know, in those shaded environments, the understory perennials up under these, you know, these trees and so forth, and usually those are very acidic conditions. I would never Mm-mm. think about putting lime around any fern. Nor yeah, I. a lot of ferns that are native to areas, you know, that have it's granite, you know, mm-hmm. air, um, or sandstone, uh, so the pH can be up pretty high. Um, oh, and we have, um, I think we have something like 75 different cultivars on there. That's why I'm glad you have a sheet. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of that. I th- still think, you know, brilliance is hard to, hard to beat. Yeah, and you can't beat an yeah. autumn fern. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but there's some, uh, there's some other really good ones too. You know, I love uh, sensitive fern, mm-hmm. uh, but it spreads like wildfire. Um, which is, I mean, if some people want that, yeah, right? It'll, it'll take a good bit of sun. Um, it's called sensitive fern because... Uh, first cool spell, it's the first one to collapse. You get a little <laughs> frost on it, and it's down to the ground. But yeah. it's coming back the next year. Yes, it is. Um, um, and then what's the one that c- goes all over the yard? Cinnamon fern? I've not had Probably a sensitive fern, oh, you know. Because this one does have, it's got a foliage that really doesn't look like a fern, and it sends up those new tendrils first that are brown. And about two feet tall, and then the greenery comes out. And we're always pulling it out of... Interrupted fern. Interrupted fern? Yeah, I think that's one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we that, have to interrupt that, that fern. We have to interrupt that fern a lot because it kept traveling and traveling. So those kind of ferns I don't want. Christmas fern is great. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Korean rock fern, beautiful oh, fern. See, I never think of that one. And if but, you want some tall ones, the ostrich ferns. You yeah, know. so I'm going to get some of those. I love those. And what about, okay, the pewter ferns. I yeah. seem to struggle with those. What is the environment for those? Well, it's it's a paint, It's one of the cultivars of the painted fern. So the ghost fern, know, painted yeah, fern. Moist. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I've got one that I think is a hybrid between a ghost, 
uh, and a lady in red mm, that nice. uh, is in the garden, and it's it's really really pretty. So you're saying, Jim? I mean, I've seen those burn before, also. So yeah, I mean, some of them you got to you just want to make sure you keep it moist. Yeah. Um, you know, and there again, and those are more for a high shade environment, also. Yeah, they really have to have that shade. I've, I noticed that. Okay, well, I think that's probably the issue is getting too dry. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. And there's okay, not too so many pests, also, that really affect the ferns. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, you know, some caterpillars that can get yeah. on there, but. You know, typically speaking, you're not going to have a problem with perennial ferns in your landscape. And when you turn that leaf over and it looks like all these scale insects have aligned up perfectly. <laughs> yes. Those are spores. Those are spores. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very popular question. It People is. come running in the garden center with it in a bag, mm-hmm. you know, like... What's these bugs? Yeah. Because they're so perfectly lined up. And On it's the back the of the leaves. Uh-huh. Hey, can't you, do you scrape those spores off to start a new fern? They'll no. Rub, you, that packet will rupture and, and they'll be released. Oh, if you scrape it. so You so, don't have to scrape it. You just yeah. leave it alone, let it dry, and it will, you know, the best thing to do is mm-hmm. if you're wanting to grow some of those is cut, once you're sure that they're they're getting good and brown and they're mm-hmm. mature, is just cut a piece of it off and put it in, a, in one of these little plastic shoe box on top of a, a damp paper towel. And uh-huh. the spores will come out, and then you'll actually see them germinate a little bit, and you can take those and plant them. Did you say put them in a shoebox on a damp paper? Oh, a yes. wooden shoebox. No, no. A paper shoebox. Well, not paper. I use the plastic ones. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they're hard to water in the paper ones. Well, I'm trying to figure out how the wet paper towel gets through the plastic shoebox. No, that, that just keeps when, those, when the spores come out, it gives them something to germinate on. So he's got the paper towel inside the oh, like okay. Tupperware. See, I heard it backwards. They light bulb See, that's what again. I'm saying. I heard that backwards. <laughs> I thought you put the shoe box on top of a wet paper towel, and then it, that's where I'm going with the cardboard shoe box. And so then it's like, it, why did my shoe box just crumble here? Right, right. So a plastic shoe box with or Tupperware or Tupperware yeah. with a wet paper towel yes. and then the cut up pieces of fern. Yeah, you just cut the frond off and leave just it. Cut in the there. whole frond off and leave yeah. it in there on top of the refrigerator did you say that part no didn't, that didn't come from me <laughs> is that an amaryllis <laughs> see y'all there's so many things no a lot of people do when they're trying to germinate seeds they mm-hmm. do put that uh, that that whatever they have in a warm environment sometimes on top of the refrigerator sometimes on top of the dryer because typically the warmer the soil or the warmer the environment, the faster the seed germinates, right? Right, exactly. So, Betty, you can put it on top of the refrigerator okay, if you want. then fine. See, I, I, think, was li- I think our listeners just figured out that we make this up as we go along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was not wrote down. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you about this later, too. So, we've got Cookie. Good morning, Cookie. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. Cookie. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I finally got all my flower beds leaves blown out. Yeah. And <laughs> I left a thin little veil of leaves for Jim. <laughs> Thank <I'm> you. <laughs> um, and it really did work. I don't have any winter weeds underneath them. Um, so if I sprinkle preen down, mm-hmm. two questions about that. One, if I do it this morning, will the rain be okay? Yes. Things to be coming in. Okay. And then. When could I or can I plant my zinnia seeds 
there. Will the prune stop? Yeah, yeah, it will. But it's still kind of early to plant zinnia seeds anyway, but that prune will definitely stop Yeah, the prune doesn't know the difference between your zinnia seed cookie or a weed seed. And typically, whether it's dimension, which is a pre-emergent or a prune, something like that, once you put it down, that residual is usually about 90 days, okay? So, oh, okay. so yeah, you've you've got to be careful if you think you want to come back and put some zinnia seeds in that same bed. Our plants are fine once we get, you know, I, I really don't like to put zinnia plants in until you get to around 1st of May. Yeah, when it's hot. Yeah, but... Um, the seeds, no. Seeds, I may no. save a little spot. For That's what I do. You know, I, I, I put pre-emerge <laughs> down in some of my beds, but I've got a bed where columbine reseeds, so I don't want to put it there. You know, okay. uh, some just okay. leave some areas where you want them. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks for Cookie. calling. That's a good question. Have a great weekend. Yeah, dude. I I found out too that people start those so zinnia seeds May and June and July. Stagger them. Yeah, yeah, stagger them. And it seems like, and we like to wait longer because the powdery mildew isn't as intense if we put them in earlier. Well, but I'm gonna tell you, Cookie. A lot of people do exactly what Cookie just said. She'll uh, get her beds cleaned out, and she'll come back and put her pre-emergent in there, which is a wonderful thing to do, not thinking that that, that pre-emergent is going to have a residual for, you yeah. know, 60 to 90 days. And if you go out there and put any kind of seed back in those beds, it's not going to germinate. Yeah, one thing I was going to talk about just a little bit, and this explains why I can be so confused and why other gardeners can be confused, <laughs> just because you have to read and read and research and read. But, okay, I'm looking at this this sign that it's a marketing sign for, for an hydrangea. And the sign says when you walk up to it and you're just looking shrub, five to six feet high, round shape, uh, moderate, and uh, moderate full light. sun, yeah, moderate light and full sun. Yeah. So then I come over on the same si- sign and read some more detail about this hydrangea, and it says hydrangea is a reblooming, shade-loving hydrangea. So how can it be shade-loving and it says, it says full, full sun. sun, right? Yeah. So this is why we all get confused at times because there's so many. I was reading another one about a fern. And it was like, love's deep shade. And then it says right next to it on a different line. On the same label. Yeah, par- partial shade needs some sun. But it likes de- deep shade, but needs some sun. It's odd that you mentioned that because the segment that I did for Booker T's show on Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, I did with Mary Helen, um, the horticulture director there. And that was the thing that she mentioned. Oh, what wow. about these tags? Yeah. yeah. You know, because quite often it has nothing to do with our environment here Mm -hmm. you know things that can grow beautifully in chicago out in full sun need to be protected often from the afternoon sun here Uh, heights of plants will vary depending on the soil type you know here our oak trees get 100 feet tall same tree planted in dallas texas will get 40 45 feet tall right so it all has to do with the environment so you you know Look at the picture. Enjoy that. And it's probably been photoshopped anyway. But, you know, don't take all that information on there as gospel because it just ain't so. The tags are made by tag makers. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These people are not plantsmen. They're putting information that's been given to them. And and almost always there is some 
incorrect information on there. Depending on, like you said, where you're trying to grow it. It might be fine for us people, like Jim was saying, growing that plant in Michigan, right. which mm-hmm. is completely different from growing that plant here. You know, I it have really a number is. of plants that I have to, uh, that I grow that would die if I planted them in Memphis soil. I've planted them in elevated beds that have a much faster draining soil. Sure. Otherwise, you know, I have a little uh, evergreen columbine uh, that is absolutely beautiful. It has a, a yellow flower on it. It's a dwarf plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, flowers on it, and it's 8 to 10 inches tall or so. Yeah. Um, and, and like I say, the foliage is evergreen. And it's, you know, it's a mountain plant, but it yeah. does beautifully here when you plant it in a well-drained soil. Yeah, but if you stick that thing in just in wet, our clay, and wet soil, clay, and even if you amend it, you know. It's it dead before you get right. back in the house, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it that's is. pretty much it. Well, that's like when I'm selling certain uh, plants that we have the Enlighten, which is soil perfecter also, and it helps with uh, aerating your soil. And I will say, like, we had a beautiful rhododendron, and I was like, I will only sell this to you if you mm-hmm. buy this product with it, because otherwise <clears throat> you're going to be trying to bring it back when <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah, I mean, and there are some rhododendrons that do better here in the South than some other ones, but, you know, our soil is just not conducive for rhodos, like you said, Veda. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have perfect drainage, you're not going to be yeah. successful with it. You're just not. And adding things like, you know, soil perfector and soil conditioner. I mean, you better do your soil prep before you ever think about growing a rhododendron around here. You're so right. Yeah, Jim has a picture. Oh, I know. Of and one. I, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't. And mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. rhododendrons. Yeah, this and, one's elevated. In fact, this is one yeah. I got from Veda. Right. Uh, and it's a beautiful little lavender. Uh, and it's uh, oh, five or six days away from being in full bloom. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just stunning right it now. It is fantastic. And I bet you've got really good drainage right there, Jim. Right there, it is good. I actually added soil in there mm-hmm. on top of our clay bed because on top of that is a, is one of the whale tongue agaves that I love so much. Uh, it's got a, a, bunt, a, a clumping bamboo that grows mm-hmm. in there. I've got... Um, uh, what's the the blue flower with that has that's um, thorny? You can think about that on the break, and we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. And um, what were we talking about, Jim? I said, you, well, you can just talk uh, about it later. The, the botanical name was sea thistle, but anyway, it, mm. it's, uh, it, it needs very good drainage. But the foliage is up now, just about to bloom. But mm-hmm. it shoots up a spike, has a blue flower on it that you can't touch. It's hard, um, and it's yeah. but it's absolutely gorgeous flower. Ah, see, so, I remember those, but you've got them. Yeah, I have them growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're. They're, uh, I'll probably, in fact, I'll post a picture of them this week. You know, and I wrote down, you are talking about drainage a while ago. I wrote down in my notes, uh, planting dogwoods needs good drainage. You know, and, and we kind of go back to really what doesn't need decent drainage around here. Yeah, really. You know, and, and then so many people badmouth our clay soil. And Jim has always said, hang on just a minute, you know, and I do too. Clay is not a bad thing. It's no. actually a good thing. It's the best thing if you're going to start with anything, you want some clay. No doubt. And but it, it's just, that. yeah. Right. But you, you know, typically when we're planting any kind of tree, shrub or perennial, whatever, you know, we have to do some amendments to our soil. We just have to. And there are certain, certain um, plants and trees, especially like dogwoods. And we we're talking about rhododendrons a while ago. Uh, where you've got to have good drainage. They don't mm-hmm. want wet feet. They won't tolerate setting in water. 
And that's why we say if you're planting a shrub or a tree, just do this. Dig that hole just as deep as the root ball. Dig it twice as wide, okay? And throw in your soil mm-hmm. amendments. And you're not replacing your clay soil. You're amending that clay Adding soil. Adding to it, yeah. Yeah. And then if you always plant like Jim or Veda, you said a second ago, plant a little high, right up, you know, above uh, ground level, that root ball sticking up out of the ground a little bit. And you can always berm up to it. If you create good drainage, I promise you, you are 99% ahead of everybody else. This is true. And you know what I always wonder, and this isn't a negative thing, I've just always wondered, when Mm. anybody that's very new to gardening goes to plant something in the ground, they dig the hole exactly. The same size as the root ball. So I wonder why we do that. Because we don't want to dig a bigger hole, probably. That would be me. (laughs) It's mostly because we... Most people don't know that we need to loosen that soil to get the roots out of that that mm-hmm. shape. Um, you know, when you go in and fix your soil, mend it, all you're doing it is giving that little small area right there right. Uh, the chance for the plant to get roots out into it and get it started. Um, you're loosening that soil and in about three years. Everything you put in there, unless it's a rock, is going going to be gone. Okay, right. it's going to go back to the the clay soil that it needs. Mm-hmm. Now, some plants will be fine with that. A lot of plants won't. That's the reason we see a lot of times people plant a perennial because it's great this mm-hmm. year. Next year it doesn't do quite as well. And third year dead. Yeah. Well, it's because that soil has become packed again. Our percolation rate is so slow through clay that the they can't hold that water that long. They need air. So by elevating it, we, mm-hmm. we fix that a little bit. Uh, gravity becomes your friend, pulls water down, and lets air get to those top roots. But, you know, if you're planting a tree, look, think about the root zone is going to be 100 feet across yeah. okay, at some point, And you're not amending all of that. No. What you're doing is just giving that plant about three years to go through that loosened soil, follow that organic matter where you've got good high bacteria growing, uh, good microbes growing to get that plant established. Yeah, and, the, okay. and at the same time, you don't have those roots just setting in water. Right. You know, you and you won't, you always want water to kind of on a new shrub or tree, you want excessive moisture to wick away from that root ball and not just set up under that root ball. Right. You know, I was thinking maybe, and there are some states that you could just dig the hole that size because their soil is oh, yeah. so good. Right. So maybe, you know, that's part of it. But we're not blessed with that. Right, So because the roots get up to that hard pan soil and they're knocking on the knock, knock, knock. Can you let me in? But no, the soil's so tight and clayey that it just goes in circles. And then as yeah. far as amendments go, you know, we're always saying amending your soil. You know, whether it's uh, soil conditioner, which is nothing more than pine fine, ground up pine bark, mm-hmm. uh, garden soil, uh, any kind of compost like the cottonburg compost, uh, I mean, any and all of those, the soil perfector, like you were talking about with biospoma a while ago, Veda, uh, any of those are fine or a combination of those are fine. I don't know if there's one that's head and shoulders above another, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. A lot of people use them all. But if you're just taking the time and getting some of these well, good soil amendments and working it into that clay and digging the hole the right way and planting the high, Jim, like you were talking about a while ago, to get a little oxygen to that root system, plant a little above grade, you'll be fine. You will be fine. Well, we hope anyway. Unless you get out there and don't water at all that first summer or you excessively overwater, 
that first summer when it starts getting yeah. hot and dry. Some people think they got to water every day. Not always a good idea. I know we're exhausting y'all's brain with which we sound. We sound like the sign part shade, yeah. full sun. Yeah. We're like on the soil, same thing. But the big thing is how you dig your hole and what the soil is as well. And then after that, like I said, is how you water that thing. How you water. Well, like, for instance, I bought this nice little house plant and put it in this little bitty container because, you know, it fit right that way. And But I didn't have to put any soil in there because it just fit right in there. There was no roots exposed or anything. Mm -hmm. So I watered a little bit, watered a little bit. You know, it's staying alive and all. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give this thing a really good soaking. So I, I poured water in it and it started floating to the top because it was so full of peat. And I'd pour water and it'd float to the top. I probably put three gallons of water on a little plant before I got it soaked <laughs> because it was all peat moss. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Call us 260-5926. You can also listen to us on our podcast and uh, check out our Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, that Jim does a fantastic job from. Stream us online, kwamradio.com if you can't pick us up now. Yeah. Facebook Live, post yeah. a picture. Yes, find all us of everywhere. that. Mighty everywhere. Um, something that made me think about was... <laughs> We were all talking about how we used to get bales and bales and bales of smag, spag, smagnum moss. <laughs> Dead gumming. Spagnum Spag peat moss. peat moss. Yes. Bales and bales of it. And it would be frozen. Oh, because it came from Canada. Yeah. 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 And um, how much we sold after all this time to find out we were doing more damage to our plants. So if you've been a sphagnum moss connoisseur and been mixing it in a lot a lot and had no success with certain plants maybe try them now with just the compost yeah i mean i don't mind using a little peat moss um Mm -hmm. as a soil amendment but i surely don't like using just peat moss by itself without adding other amendments with it um peat moss is you know it, it holds a lot of water first of all until it gets dry. Tell, well, it, and then it floats like I was talking about. Jim, you're about. exactly right. And if you ever let it get dry, then it's almost impossible to come back and rehydrate that product. Even if you poke holes in the top, it's still difficult. So using, you know, the Cottonburg compost or any of the other, you know, types of compost or using, like we said, the pine fines and the soil perfectors and the garden soils. Uh, and a lot of those soils that you buy have some peat in them, mm-hmm. uh, even the potting soils. But... Um, I don't like using it completely by itself. If I was going to use it, I like using it with other products to work into our clay soil for those reasons. Yeah, I was uh, telling them during the break many years ago, a gentleman, uh, Mr. Richardson, I don't remember his first name, came to Memphis. He was president of the American Azalea Society. He was looking for some missing Ben Morrison hybrids that he thought uh, there was a lady who had a a beautiful Azalea garden out on Poplar Avenue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miss Murrah and I had worked in the garden when um, after she passed away and uh, Marks and Bensdorf bought the property and when when they bought the property the, the stipulation was that the azalea garden had to stay intact for like 20 years wow. before they could sell that off 
and it had gotten a lot of dead in it. So I, we went in there and clean. I went in there and cleaned it out, and we and uh, yeah, it was just me. Uh, but anyway, uh, he came out there, and we walked through the garden while it was in bloom to see if you could spot any of these that he thought uh, might be these missing Ben Morrison hybrids. Um, and uh, one of the things that he told me, he said, we're almost sure that peat moss is not good for anything in the rhododendron family. You know, we used to sell a product called No Damp Off, which mm-hmm. was ground up sphagnum, and you could start seeds in it, and the damping off fungus wouldn't grow in it because it had a natural fungicide in it. Uh, and apparently that natural fungicide does, uh, if it's used in uh, enough of it around um, any of the ericaceas, the, 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 the azaleas, rhododendrons, and that sort of thing, the pieris. Uh, Who would have it, thought? Yeah, you know? it, it can kill them, you know. Um, so, you know, if you ever see where peat moss grows in the uh, there, it's peat moss and pine trees. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, nothing else can grow in it. And know. mummified things. Yeah. And uh, oh. so, you know, I, I'm not an advocate of, of peat moss. Just, you know. For and like that. I said, and if I do use it, I, I mean, I want to use it sparingly, but I also want to add these other amendments along with that and not yeah. use it just by itself. It, it's great as in some of the soilless mixes for like hanging baskets where you want a very light, airy right. mix and you're fertilizing frequently. And you're trying to start um, seeds and yeah. things like that, it, right. It's, it's, it's fine for that. Uh, but I, it's not something that I would put in our clay soil. Yeah. You know, I'm like in a tough situation because there is a, a soil made for outdoor pots and containers and all and it it's great because it drains well but it also is um, holds a little moisture. Holds mm-hmm. moisture but it is pretty heavy to put in your hanging baskets so you're kind of stuck between the hanging basket that's real light and you're watering and fertilizing and watering fertilize a lot or the soil that holds moisture and has like lots of nutrients in it but then it's heavy so, therefore, you need to get a really big-time shepherd hook <laughs> to mm-hmm. hang your hanging basket on. Or, you know, you just don't, like, put a little screw in the porch, a little screw hook in the porch and Yank hang your right basket. Up. You really need to mm-hmm. anchor it. Yeah. Back hey, many, Mr. Paul, hang on just a second. Many, many years ago, uh, I worked in the garden center at Sears Crosstown. And a guy came in one night looking for some peat moss. Uh, and uh, we had one bale. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'll take it. And he had a Volkswagen that he had taken the back seat out of because that's where he's going to put this bale of peat moss. Well, it had been sitting under the water hydrant. Oh. <laughs> it took four of us to yeah. lift it to get it up it on one of the, water. to get up on one of those carts that they had out there, and then rolled it into his car. And our poor guy probably is probably still He's in still the car. Right. <laughs> it was low riding on the way home. Oh my goodness! Okay, Mr. Paul, thank you for calling this morning, Mr. Paul. You're in the garden. Good morning, Vader. Jim and Kenneth, good to hear y'all this morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Paul, and you sound great, brother. And we miss you like you just don't know, uh, but it's good to hear from you at the very least. I've had people asking about you, so glad you called in. I I, I listen to you every uh, every Saturday morning, but sometimes, you know, if it's cold in the morning, I'd rather get outside to talk to y'all because I like to look around outside, Mm -hmm. not in the house. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if it's still cool outside, I ain't going to get outside. I just enjoy listening to you. I don't blame you. Nice and cozy inside. What's going on in your world, Mr. Paul? Well, y'all were talking about those violas while ago, and one that 
I used to try to grow every year was that Labradorica, which was a great, it's cultivated, and it has purple foliage and them real pretty yellow flowers on it. But I never could get it to grow here. Yeah, we we got some in, and they were listed as fairy garden plants. Uh, right, And right. they just never performed well for us. And it was a type of viola? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, there's a, there's several of those different ones, but I've never had any of them that were the cultivated varieties that did well. And even the wild ones, I've tried mm-hmm. to put in pots, and they don't like to be in pots. They like to be in the ground. It's wherever they want to grow. They're kind of like moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. baby, you, you were talking about that ground cover over at Bill Farrell's yeah. house. That might have been that Liz Machia. There's an annual Liz Machia that has kind of a shiny green foliage. And I can't remember the name of it. But uh, I see, I, I try to grow it nearly every year. I get some of it. Joel, uh, my friend, uh, has some, and he always brings me some of it, but I never can get it to uh, to stay either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because there's so many other really easy to grow perennial ground covers around here. You know, the Creeping Jenny, you know, which would come back just fine. And, right. Mr. Paulin, you know all the sedums and, uh, you know, the Vincas, the Pacasandras, the Ivies. I mean, there's some really good ground covers that we surely can grow around here. And yeah. we know they're going to come back from year to year. Right. I used to wonder why Plato was so adamant about, you know, recommending certain ground covers. Yeah. And, of course, now after growing for 30 or 40 years, yeah. we know why he recommended them was because they worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I mean, and, and we all fall into that, though. We want to grow something sometimes, Mr. Paul, that we know probably is not going to make it for two or three years, sometimes not even one year. But we're That's still exactly going to plant right. that thing, you know. I, I do it. I do it every year. <laughs> I do like that lysomachia. I, I find it working really well in containers, things like that. Because I'm like you, I can't get it to stay in the ground and come no. back reliably. Yeah. No, it, it's almost hardy now. Uh, Joel is up in uh, kind of Middle Tennessee, and uh, or well, it's Mississippi, really, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he basically says it comes back it dies back to the ground but he says it comes back every year but i can't it never done that for me now what about when you were doing sedums mr paul there was no really sedum that that spread i mean it's it's as fast as some of these ground covers right no yeah yeah but they will spread but you got to be patient correct you do and they're 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 the chinese sedum is a pretty good ground cover yeah but, I mean, you really have to keep, uh, you know, leaves and stuff off of it in the wetter, or mm-hmm. it'll kind of, it'll it'll rot out yeah. pretty. So it's just not vigorous enough yeah. to uh, to really make a, a good ground cover, yeah. you know, like, like the Vinca or something else, you know, Pachysandra and uh, Asiatic Jasmine and right. Mondo Grass and some of those other ones that right. are very reliable. Well, that's too bad because I love the look of those sedums. And, and a lot of people still put them in containers in small areas, but just not as a mass planting for a big area no, as a ground no, cover. They're, they're just better in, in containers or in raised beds and where you can 
you can kind of control their environment. Right. Yeah, because I planted in two different locations the sedum that looks like the Pachysandra. Right. Um, what is the name of that one again? Yeah, the Catechium. Uh, Elecombianum. Elicum- uh, yes. Uh, Thetamus Thetamus. Which is, uh, it is uh, just like uh, Elocumbianum. It's just uh, a oh, little bit no. different. Oh, no. How it, do I ask for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you can ask for Carol's favorite. Yeah. Is, and which, uh, that's just what we named that one that does well here. But I don't think anybody else used that name. But it's, uh, it's the Thetamus Tacamensis. And it's it's the best one of those, and it'll make a good ground cover, but it just, it hops. It won't make a flat. Mm-hmm. Whenever you grow it as a ground cover, it's going to be clumped up in piles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we planted it in two locations, and they were both had raised beds, and really yeah. loving it, because we replaced it with the, we replaced Pachysandra with that sedum. Right. Tacamensius. Yeah. They got well, part it, of it. It does good, but it's just not very popular because it hadn't. It's been around a long time, but nobody's ever used it much until we kind of started, mm-hmm. you know, growing it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's got great foliage, nice green it foliage. Yeah. It looks substantial, so it is pretty. It, when I have a little bit of trouble finding it, well, and I know that. You know, and my thing is, I know we got to go to a break. But, you know, Mr. Paul, a lot of people are using sedums now Mm -hmm. because Mr. Paul did the footwork. He did the groundwork, you know. So we appreciate all of that, what you did for us early on, Mr. Paul, where people can enjoy these beautiful sedums nowadays. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I like and and love listening to y'all in the morning. And, Jim, you do a great job on that, uh, on Mid-South Garden. uh, Well, thank you, Paul. That uh, website. And I, and I want to thank you because you single-handedly have brought us more members than than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so thank well, you very I, much. I, I, I appreciate that, and we appreciate y'all. Y'all do a great job. We'll thank see you, you, Mr. Paul. Thanks, Mr. Paul. Thank Thanks, you, buddy. Bye. So, um, I know we got to go do? to a break. Yeah. We got to run to a break, and I know so we also we got Mark. We got Mark on the phone. We'll get him when we come back. Yeah. All right. This is Mid South Gardening. We'll be right back. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We are going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for giving us a call. You're in the garden. Uh, yeah, this is Mark. Hey, Mark. I'm Good morning to you, buddy. Plant propagator out at the Dabney Nursery. Mark, yeah. how in the world are you? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Great. Uh, I wanted to recommend Sedum Kamchatakum, the Russian Sedum fur. Yeah, Kamchatakum. That's, uh, Kamchatakum. That's the one that Jim was scratching his head yeah. about a while ago. I'm calling it Kamchatakum. Right. When you were talking about one that looks like Pakistandra, the leaves are very similar, and I've had many people uh, misidentified as Pakistandra, but it's great for full sun and yeah. the weed smothering. And, when, uh, it's a, when it's in bloom, it is spectacular. Yeah, it works very well. Yeah. It comes back year after year. I've had a big patch for twenty plus years. And Mark, yeah. and and you say now, do you typically grow that in more sun, or do you grow it in in like high shade, or both? To be honest with you, full sun's best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sedum where it reacts like that anyway. So yeah. I would recommend full yeah. sun. Full I'm sun. not sure how it would do this 
begin doing more shade. I got you, buddy. But well, anyway, great. Thank you for calling. And and yeah, thanks, Mark. Hey, <laughs> good to hear from you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Have, have a great Thank weekend, you. buddy. Thanks. And then Pat Cassandra, uh, you know, had a young lady come into the garden center this week, and she had a uh, piece of Pat Cassandra. And the foliage was fairly yellow on mm-hmm. this Pat Cassandra. And she said, you know, Kenny, why do you think this, this, this thing is so yellow? And the whole bed was that way, more or less. And I said, well, typically it can be from staying too wet or inadequate drainage. It can be from getting too much sun. In this case, it was in full sun, which it shouldn't be. And then it could even be pH. You know, they like that lower pH. So I said, you know, it's been there for a while, uh, and they had to have some trees removed. So all of a sudden, it's getting more sun. And she said, yeah, it probably stays even a little too wet. So it's been staying too wet. It's getting way too much sun. And, of course, who knows what the pH is, right? Right. So... You know, Pachysandra in general, in particular, it wants to be in more shade. It wants to have that very acidic soil, and you don't want to uh, keep it too wet. And you you can get beautiful, deep green leaves mm-hmm. on Pachysandra. But I'm telling you, the other way around, you can also get a lot of yellow leaves out there. So it all depends on where it's growing. It really does. Like, I love it, but in all these different locations, it reacts differently. Like, I wonder why... It comes up like you'll plant a whole bed full of it, but then it leaves pieces all around. It doesn't stay full. It's just like all of a sudden there's a piece here, a piece there, and it's not a full bed of Pachysandra. But then I see it in places just amazingly beautiful. So I guess just really good drainage, more on the dry side. Yeah, I mean, good drainage, more on the dry side, like you said. High shade or shade, not out there in full sun, where we see people trying to grow some of this Pachysandra. And also, the lower pH makes a big difference also. Yeah, I also like to see, if you're going to plant it, go in there and do some soil prep, a couple inches deep initially. You know, I'm not a real big fan of any of the ground covers that have to go through underground in our clay soil. Mm-hmm. They just go slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it's a nice loose soil, they'll just blast take off right through like it. Man, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's why I've always been fond of things like uh, uh, Asiatic jasmine, the vincas, mm-hmm. and those yeah. that spread on top of the ground right. more than. You know, if you're trying to cover a big area quick, that's really the best thing to do. I think I'm going to stick with using it in uh, container gardens, hanging baskets, trough gardens. It's really pretty. I was looking at a website, checking out what ground covers I wanted to order. And there was like ground covers and there was ground covers for hanging baskets. Then there was ground covers for containers. And I was like... Huh. What's the difference? Well, maybe I can yeah. find some different stuff I've never even thought about. Well, all they did is just put the same plants in different categories. Well, there's English ivy. Yeah. For, yeah. Right. So, I mean, any ground cover can be used in any basket, hanging basket. And it's, uh, you know, like a lot of times we make sure we plant containers and hanging baskets with things that you can put in the ground in the fall right. that you've used in the spring because some people don't want to pay for the annuals that are going to go away. But you can add perennials like hooker, and then you can add some impatience. They'll go away, but, you know, that's just a small part of the 
the ferns and hooker is together and then English ivy trailing over and impatience and there you go beautiful hanging back well in in the beauty of ground covers though in particular whether it's sedums you know like we're talking about Mr. Paul there's some sedums that most I love as much sun as you can give them there's some like the Chinese they can actually mm-hmm. take a good bit of shade but ground covers in general whether it's the jugas the pachysandras the vincas the ivies uh, the asiatic jasmines the mondo grasses they typically will grow where a lot of things won't grow. Or if you have a kind of a trouble spot, Jim or Beta, you know, that you're needing just to fill in. Uh, that's when we usually start leaning toward these ground covers. And I'm with you. I kind of like the ground covers that are flat out, easy to grow, and fast growing. And that would be the Asiatic jasmines and the Vinca, the Vinca miners, yeah. because they're just spreading as a vine, where something like a dwarf mondo, which I also love, but they're going to be much slower spreading than the vine type, uh, you know, ground covers. So and that epimedium, we don't think about that as a ground exactly. cover. Exactly, exactly. In a shaded a environment. Cover. So, what kind of things are going on in the community this week? The um, or the next couple of weeks, because y'all need to plan it since you've got to go to the garden center after you go to these events. Well, I think next weekend we've got uh, the um, Master Gardeners Spring Sale is next weekend. I think. Uh, so that's coming up. They oh, just yeah. finished their online sale. Uh, and then uh, we got uh, Dixon sale coming up. And don't forget, go to the Dixon. It's free right now. See a quarter million tulips. Yeah. So, uh, and, and believe it or not, they rip them all out of the ground. They're composting, you know, after they're done. They, well, it's all good that they compost. I'm fine with that. Yeah. 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 And, of course, the independent garden centers, Veda, you and I, you mm-hmm. know, which we love. And they're getting stocked up big time. Yeah. I'm telling you. So everything, I mean, we're getting, we're good to go. Yeah, we are. So I'm so glad that y'all joined us this morning. And remember, you can listen to us on our podcast to get more information and to hear our jokes over and over. (laughs) See you next weekend in the garden. (laughs) 